Just a few film nerds breaking out of a rut Drooling over cinema that's hard and uncut Stick us in your ear, thrill to this month's picks And come and listen in, we're measuring flicks Hello everyone, welcome to Measuring Flicks I am Carl Hartley And I am Max Peterson yes. And we're, okay we're almost done with season it's one. Two two main shows. Uh, we three. have three main season shows left. That's right. Okay. Our final quarter four shootout. Yes. And then the big Kahuna shootout where we've determined best flick of the year. Oh our my God. favorite flick of the year. It's and, exciting, and I'm kind of terrified too. Uh, we are right now over at the. And hi, hi, how are you all doing hi, today? We've missed hey, you all, hey everyone. Um, we're ramping up for our on the, we're this Sunday. We're going to because we're a little ahead this of you, Sunday. listener. Oh we're recording God. the first. I haven't figured out. Bird and I, we have to all sit down and figure out what we're calling the awards. Because whatever we call it, we have to keep calling it that. For every year. Oh. Yeah, we got to come up with a good name for the awards. The Measuring Flicks Award Show. That's it. That's it right there. <laughs> Brand it. Slap Done. it on a t-shirt. <laughs> but I mean, we're, we're doing our very first yep. Oscars. We have 22 categories. It's kind of lining up almost. In, it's an Oscar season now. Yeah, we're actually really close because the Oscars are the 24th. That's funny. We didn't plan that at all. <laughs> no, but, but our award show is very close yeah. to the Oscars. Which is kind of awesome because, you know, a few years from now, the Oscars is going to knock on our door and be like, hey, we want to do a little funny Side bit, can a you bit, do yeah. a few of your special awards, which we don't want to give away, but there is they're one pretty funny. that has Bill and Pullman's namesake attached to it. <laughs> so. yeah, they're going to be like, can you pick two of your tasteful ones and we'll go up there and <laughs> right, just be exactly. like, all right, Boss Hog Award. Boss Best Dick. Couldn't, <laughs> couldn't help it. I had to spoil one. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> okay, so, but that's all in the future. Today, yes, we're today. still talking about movies. We're still in this. We are still in the month this. of Blue Valentine's. We are. So, the, it's been this a rough couple months. Whoa, so, but this, what a great example. So it's of, Eternal Sunshine? Today we are yes. talking about 2004's Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, uh, directed by Michael Gondry, written by Charlie Kaufman. We should shout the writers out more, by the yeah. way. Especially where it's deserved, and in this movie, boy, the Immensely, writing is deserved. Yes. Um, starring Jim Carrey, Kate Winslet, Elijah Wood, Mark Ruffalo, Kirsten Dunst, Tom Wilkins, and then two kind of like bit parts, which are... I love uh, Jane she Adams and David Cross. It's like the Eraserhead episode. <laughs> I just got shit yeah, walking like, around <laughs> my house in the night. <laughs> Hi, bird. Right. Scared the shit out of me, girl. Bye, boo. <laughs> love you. Have a great lift. Okay. So, yeah, I'm just getting it out of the way so I can go back to the episode. Um, so, Eternal Sunshine yes. Spotless Mind. Carl, just broad mm-hmm. strokes. Broad strokes. Broad strokes. What did you think? Well, this is like probably my ninth or tenth time watching this movie. This is my first time ever seeing this. This is one of um, this is one of the movies that originally sparked my desire to like try and write something or, or film something because of the way that it's shot, the way that it's written, the story itself. There's so much unique happening here that you don't ever see. And a lot of it's, I mean, if you look at Charlie Kaufman's like list of movies. Yeah. They're very strange. He has yeah. a very The only other one I know of is adaptation. Yeah. What it's else it's is all in? very I can't think of the na- the names, but they're all that sort of mental fuck kind of thing. Like yeah. a deep dive into your psyche and what it like where does reality place itself as far as memory or and a lot of times he will create this movie within a movie space where you're like, whoa. Like with adaptation. But this is such a 
being older now and having gone through some relationships, this is a lot like Big, where the first time I watched Eternal Sunshine, I was looking at it through the lens of somebody that maybe had one relationship under his belt at this point. Right. So I had a very youthful and sort of um, very uh, immature sort of sort of view on what relationships mean and what it, that sort of thing. Uh, but, and now having you know, a lot of divorce, I have a son with a, with an ex-wife, I'm getting remarried. Right. Um, you see, you see the movie through a different lens, but it doesn't make it any less true. It almost rings more. I, this is, I don't lot, know. It's uh, with I, a lot of the movies that we've watched so far. I've been, um, like, why didn't I see this when I was younger? You're like, you're like, oh, yeah. I'm so glad that I hadn't seen this. Interesting. This yeah. is one of the ones that in like in high school and in college. Let's see. No, yeah, in co- it would be college for me. No, 2004. I was 14. Yeah. So like all through high school and college, this is one of those movies where it's like, oh man, you gotta watch. You gotta watch. And this is this yeah. is a movie that if you are with, hanging out with like people who are at all like a little weird or like movies this this movie's been recommended to me like a hundred thousand oh times. yeah this is one of those dude have you seen and i never movies. i never right. watched it because mostly and spoilers for those of you who recommend movies to me constantly i have so much shit to watch i'm probably not gonna watch the movie that you right yeah say I should <laughs> i'm just not gonna happen and that was before measuring flicks that happened. was before we started yeah. doing this i'm like yeah i got uh you know 10 years of films to catch <laughs> exactly. up on so I'll, I'll throw years in the stack maybe i'll catch Patreon. it at a, yeah hey you know what become a patron Recommend uh, <laughs> recommend the flick to us on measuringflickspodcast at gmail.com. And we're so we'll desperate mention, for attention that we'll, we'll do an episode. On, we'll mention you on the show and we'll watch your, your stupid movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, I, I th- I'm 28 right now and I think this was the perfect first time to see this. 28. I, I think loved tw- this movie. Yeah, thank God. Yeah, it's like, thank God, because I do. I adore this movie. Um, I, I think 28, yeah, that pre-30, like between 25 and 30, I think is a really good, like... I don't want to say demographic, but it's a, that, it's the right it's a sweet spot to hit it. Like yeah. it's like with Catcher in the Rye, if you read it after you're for the first time after you're like eighteen or yeah. seventeen, it doesn't. Like, it's shitty because yes. Colton Caulfield is a piece of shit. <laughs> but, but when you you're young, that, yeah. yeah, you're like rebel. Yeah, it's a re- yeah. like a lot of movies that I liked when I was younger or characters that I liked when I was younger that like kind of like brash swagger, mm-hmm. just no for no reason fighting against authority. You just love them, but then when you're older, you're like. Yeah, I, what he's asking right. you to do is like actually kind of reasonable. Like, yeah, he's what not you, being an ass. Yeah. yeah, what do you? You don't lose anything by doing this. And in fact, you, know, you, you, you probably gain a little bit you're, of knowledge. You're inconveniencing like a lot of people, right? Yeah, you're <laughs> you being know? super selfish. But when right? you're young, you're like, fuck yeah, yeah. throw another brick. Because I've only read Catcher once, and it was when I was 15 years old, and I thought it was like the best thing I've ever read in my life. I came life. to it late, and I hated yeah. it. <laughs> I haven't reread it yet because I want to keep that. Right, right, but right. something like this that does this kind so of amazing. grow with you. We talked about I think I'm big in a couple other episodes recently. Big was a Patreon episode. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But these certain movies that that kind of they can grow along with you in a way, and you go back and they've changed because you've changed. Right, which is but uh, they don't date themselves. Movies they that don't, grow where you grow together. Yeah, you grow yeah. together. <laughs> it's not like some movies where you watch them years later. Like, oh, why did I like this? Or it's super dated or, or campy or like it just doesn't hold up at all. Mm-hmm. And that speaks to the writing and I think performance in every aspect of this movie works. And it works because this, okay, the thing that I always take away from this movie is how invested I get in their relationship and how how amazing their performances are. But at the end of the day, they have a pretty shitty relationship. They're, they're not like that. God, I want to be like them. They fight. They they snipe each other all the time. They accuse each other of fucking around. 
that and you don't really see them happy ever. A couple times. But it's very, very brief. Most right. of it is them because this is what leads them to do what they ultimately do is which is erase their memory of each other. Right. So it's like it's it's so interesting that that to me that with this it's the only movie that I can recall where in any other film you put these these two people together and you're like just fucking break up already you are toxic <laughs> for each other yeah you have no patience for each other you're both being super fucking childish most of the time and just break up you're being but in this movie I'm like rooting for them because not all relationships are perfect in the Hollywood relationship. You snipe at each other. You get into arguments. You have, and this movie is constantly showing us those moments, mm-hmm. and it has to because of what they're doing in the movie, which is erasing their existence in their own minds of each other. But it's so interesting how the the way this movie plays out. Because oh man, because we we spoiler city all the time. So yeah, we understood. Totally like, do. go fucking watch this movie. You're listening here's to this br- episode okay. right now. Here's a brief they, overview. The, the beginning of the movie is the end of the movie where they find each other again. Yeah, this is they they totally memento it. Yeah. Um. So basically, there's two characters. Actually, Clementine I think and memento Joel. did memento eternal sunshine it. Uh, this is 2004. Memento, I think, is 2001. Okay. So but they mementoed it. All right. I, I I don't think there's enough. I don't think there's enough similarity. Oh, uh, I haven't seen the movie yet, but I've read the comic. As far as movies are mm-hmm. influencing each other or things influencing each other, there's a blue-haired girl in this movie named sure. Clementine. Aha! Uh-huh. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> yeah. Because I didn't realize that character's name is Clementine because the they comic. changed it to Adele because she... That's, That's a, the actress's name. The actress's name, yeah. yeah. They want to change their names. So, in the... I'm fairly certain. In Blue is the Warmest Color, the comic... By Julie Morrow There's two characters Clementine and Emma Emma has blue hair And a girl named Clementine Falls in love with her Clementine's very in her shell Closed Mm -hmm. off, locked up And Emma is very Art student, outspoken Free free. Okay Comfortable with her sexuality Right And Reading, having, I read the comic and then I watched the movie or started watching the movie on the, and I finished it this morning. But I started watching the movie immediately afterwards, and I was like, "Wow!" The just the 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 tone, the feel of Blue is the Warmest Color. It this is one of Julie Morrow's. It has to be one of her favorite movies because Jesus it's, Christ, the yeah. the tone and even some of the the like broad stroke themes are all over that. Um, so, not like a sister picture, more like a cousin picture. Yeah, and the, not and not in a bad way. No, it's no. Like like the the inspiration or that influence it's a, it's is really a, apparent. It's a nod that is very it's earned. It's not like oh my gosh. So right right off the bat, I want to get this out of the way. Open. Sorry, excuse me. This is not a perfect film. This movie has a lot of problems with it. It sure does. Um, and there's a there's a big conversation that I think we should have on this episode because it's the first time we've we've talked about it kind of in some other episodes, mm-hmm. but this is the first time we've run head on into the manic pixie dream girl. Okay. Okay. So for starters, and, now, and again, I want to clarify. I love this movie. I yeah. rented it, watched it, and then I put it and the script in my Amazon card. I'm gonna buy <laughs> no, it. Absolutely, I yes, love this yes. movie. There's a, I have a lot of problems with Kate Winslet's performance. Uh huh. There's it's it's. It's Jack Nicholson Joker territory. It she her quirkiness is so over the top. She's so manic yeah. and so like high strung and anxious and impulsive that she comes across as mentally ill a lot of the time. She does. That's when because Danielle was in and out. Yeah, um, watching this and she's and she asked that several times. Like, is she is she mentally challenged? Is she mentally ill? Like yeah. because if you miss like 
If you if you don't watch the whole the movie, whole movie, right? If you just catch especially the early part but of the film, she comes across as very much like she has brain damage. Yeah, which she does. Yep. Now because she has been erased. This was one of the things or, that I yeah. thought was kind of interesting, which is they talk in the movie about. Well, well the, is, is there brain, any is there any risk of brain damage? Well, well, well technically, technically speaking, it is, it is brain, brain damage. damage, but it's just like a night of heavy drinking, right? But um. Tom Wilkinson's amazing she, performance. Is it Tom Wilkinson? Tom Wilkins. Yeah, Wilkins. There's two generations of Bagginses in this. There's a dog named Buster, and we also have uh, David Cross, who plays Buster in Arrested Development. That's, There's, like, all kinds oh, of weird <laughs> shit happening in this movie. Um, but this... And also there's two there's a superhero connection too because Kirsten Dunst plays Mary Jane Watson in Spider Man and Mark Ruffalo plays the Hulk so there there's a Marvel tie yep. in right there. Yep. But anyway, I know there's so many layers and levels to this movie and Jim Carrey plays the Mask but that's a DC character yep. or no a Dark Horse Dark character. Dark Horse. Anyway. And Elijah Wood we've is gone far afield. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> okay. Anyway. But but Kate Kate Winslet. Oh, he does also play the Riddler in Batman. Jim Carrey. Oh yeah. <laughs> so Holy shit. more comic book connections. More um but okay, so Kate Winslet's performance. They I was I'm just coming to this now. Do you think it's possible that the reason that both of them act the way they do is because they've had the procedure done before and don't remember it I and think are brain so. damaged? I th- is that implied? I think it's casually implied, but I know I don't know that it's necessarily there intentionally do for us think to this pick is up. The, the that the two erasures we <sighs> are become privy to in the film are the only time they've had that done. I kind of that's think, another yes. question. I think it is because they only had the one tape, right? In okay. The box. Yeah. I so th- I feel uh, like that it is. So in that case, us trying desperately to explain Kate <clears throat> no, because one of my first notes is uh, Clementine is so far is she's interesting, but I feel like is she bipolar? Is she? Uh, is, I feel like she's bipolar. Like she has some sort of weird, like she has a mental illness of some sort. Right. Um. Her U.S. accent is on point. Yes, it is. Her American accent is like Hugh Laurie level. It's mm-hmm. crazy good. Um, now, okay, I my opinion of her performance because I don't want to just just shit on Kate Winslet's no, performance. No, of course not. <clears throat> Some of the early stuff is really big. Once we kind of get to know her a little, I feel like the edges round out, and I do feel like her manic tendencies, especially when she's angry at mm-hmm. him, when she's like just being herself like when they when they do the meet cute and she's like how why would you think that you don't really know me so blah 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 and you're like okay you're just coming off kind of as like a yeah, bitch very with maybe a mental illness but when she gets mad at him those quirks make sense because that like being snippish and snot right yeah because my note with that is she crazy or just more alive than most of us she speaks everything that's on her mind to a fault and she's just over the top like it's F- uh, the they kind of talk about that later when they're we're, we're listening to Jim Carrey's like shit talking tape yes. at the very end and he's like you know she's the thing about her was she was exciting she drags you out of her shell which is interesting because he literally he, describes the mechanism of a manic pixie dream girl which is when you have uh, an emotionally repressed closed off he character he's super closed off he is as deep in a shell as a character can get right and the whole the whole purpose of the the manic pixie dream girl is she she's a she's a cardboard character who exists to, to bring flesh them. out and draw out the the subdued character, but oh, so they exist only to paint a better picture. Yeah, of... the classic example is from Garden State. 
It's Kara Knightley. Is she in that? Kara, is it Natalie Portman? No, it's Natalie Portman. Yep. Natalie Portman in Garden State is the classic example. I've never seen the movie, but I've read enough essays about right. why Hollywood needs to change and this needs to stop being a thing. But, but the Manic Pixie Dream Girl. I had something and I lost it. Oh, Not important. I saw it go away. <laughs> you <just laughs> saw the note yeah. die in my eyes. Like, it kind of like the... Well, I was what I was thinking. Are of, you are you erasing the podcast from your memory? Bit by bit, your, yeah. Um, but I was I don't know. I was just thinking about how that's it. it it's it's sort of to to single it out because it's a woman mm-hmm. and call it the manic pixie dream girl. I don't think is fair because it's a literary device that goes back to Shakespeare. It's called a foil. Yes, the foil does the exact same thing. That was my point. Um, like Falstaff. To be totally honest. Falstaff doesn't have a whole lot of personality. Mm-mm. He's big and gregarious and exists to offset our our principles, our brooding main characters who are closed off and, and a bummer. Part comic relief, part... I mean, the, the Manic Pixie Dream Girl, if you erase that term, is just a female foil for a protagonist. Mm-hmm. So, that, uh, and I was thinking this when I started the movie last yet last night i started the movie last night and i was watching it and my fir- i have notes in here that are like manic pixie dream girl blah 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 right. and i'm being shitty about it and then about 20 minutes or 30 minutes into the movie i realized yeah but th- she's also just the the foil for jim carrey if you right. don't have a foil this well, movie goes nowhere well in his mind she's literally a manic pixie dream girl because that version of clementine doesn't actually exist it's a memory of her well i i might Actually, his memory of her, I think, is a more realistic portrayal of a person than she Isn't actually... Isn't that interesting? Yeah, because when she's because in the it real is. world... She's is as hypermanic... But when... Yeah, but when she's... But that's... Is that her... And this is the thought that I always have. That's his version of her. The, in his the mind. Mem- in the, oh, so in the mind version, she's a real person. But yes. in the real world, she's fake. <laughs> she comes across well, as cause fake. Well, because we we do that, though. We we felt I, yeah I think that we do. I I've always thought that our it's imagined not me versions, it's your it's your it's what you imagine me to be. Yeah, but that the, what you imagine me to be is f- is a fake version of a real person. Mm-hmm. So the <clears throat> the sorry I've got a Flergbergen. That's fine. The uh, the uh, part of the problem part of the problem about talking with this movie is it's it this movie does like spaghetti. Oh yeah, plot strands. It's a Kaufman script. It's so yeah, crazy how it was like watching a more complex version of Inception that <laughs> yeah. is simultaneously an incredible love story and an incredible horror film. Mm-hmm. This movie is a horror movie. Oh yeah, I would put this in my horror. There are section. some there are some moments that are terrifying. What's What's weird to me is not weird to me. One of my favorite things about this movie is. It, near the end No let's go in order Yeah, yeah I don't yeah. want to jump Okay right. So right off the bat I, I wrote Jim Ke- Okay I feel bad because we've criticized Kate Winslet And now I'm about to just slop praise on Jim Carrey For his performance here Jim Carrey is excellent in this movie He's so natural His His uh Okay, he has ticks too, right? Yes, he so does. So they're both playing weird characters, and I, I do honestly think it's harder to play big than play small. Absolutely, so man. Kate Winslet had because you've got to come up with things. She had more, more meat to chew on, you know. He is given like s- small stuff. Tough performance stuff going on here, is but my note. Man, he's. Uh, I was talking to Bird last night. Bird does not like Jim Carrey at all. She's terrified by his shark eyes. She thinks he's creepy, but. <laughs> I love Jim Carrey, and one of the things I love about him is he can play clown. He can play big clown crazy, and he does 
two times in this movie mm-hmm. play like a clown character. But he's also a, an incredible straight actor as well. His his what would be the word for that? Dramatic actor. Mm-hmm. His his serious performances. Like, have you ever seen the number twenty three? Oh yeah, he's fucking killer in mm-hmm. that movie. He's amazing in this. You know, like Man on the Moon. That's a serious performance, and he's inc- he's he's a he's a super talented actor. And I think this is probably my, the best performance I've seen him give, as far as his like serious performances go. I, I mean, mean, yeah, because Truman Show doesn't even come close to this. No, this is this, this is, is incredible. Yeah, because you have such a it's the sad, broken version of the clown. Like you can still see that he's that like his Jim Car- yeah. <clears throat> but in a way, I mean, because you can, it's still Jim Carrey and Jim Carrey is there. And if you see where Jim Carrey is now, he's a very interesting human being, mm-hmm. for one. And I respect him for a lot of reasons. And I also am confused by him. Yeah. Like, in, in and confused ge- by Shia LaBeouf, too. Oh, like yeah. But I kind of fucking love that, right. though. But this this character is so subtle and so real. Like, you see and feel the the, the pain in his eyes, but it's also... He's he's just human in this. Yeah, he he represents a specific type of. It feels cheap to say broken, but like he's an introverted kind of broken. Yeah, he his and we. Oh man, he and Clementine. One of the big things that they clash when they ultimately decide to erase each other from their memories. One of the things they keep clashing over is there's a fucking awesome line. Um, he says. There's a moment where she's like, you never tell me anything. I open up to you constantly. All I do is tell you, I mean, blah, blah, blah. And he's kind of dozing. And he says, constantly talking isn't necessarily communicating. Yeah. And then she gets pissed. One of Clementine's hallmarks, which does make it really hard to root for their relationship, but which ultimately strengthens what their relationship means, I think. The fact that they don't work is what makes you care so much about them yeah. if they were just a perfect couple you'd be like, like who gives a shit well yeah. they wouldn't be or if they were just just like a nightmare from hell couple right you'd be like just fuck right right Kaufman manages to write this perfect line where yeah. there's I, I would say their relationship is more bad than good but there's enough good there that you you are root curious. for it yeah absolutely yeah. so but so she blows up and she's like I'm so pissed that you said that I'm mad that you said that and what she's doing is again she's like these are my feelings I'm expressing them yes these are my feelings I'm expressing them and then she express she always expresses her feelings like super huge and the problem that she has with Joel is that he never expresses any feelings ever right like nothing so she feels like she's just throwing stuff up against a, a wall right There's no and what she's doing reaction sucks. or interaction and what he's doing sucks yes. So, but that's why I like them as a, as a relationship, because even though it is massively dysfunctional, there is a strange middle ground. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, so let's really quick. Oh, and, but, uh, so one of the things that I was going to say about that is Joel has always had trouble opening up. She says like, I don't know that much about you. I don't know anything about your childhood, blah, blah, blah. Right. So one of the things I love is near the end of this movie, um, he in uh, here's my note in losing clementine joel is finding himself now that is literally one of the biggest complaints that critics have about manic pixie dream girls because without the without the existence of her big tumultuous shake up the world thing the the main character doesn't happen right Right. so her only purpose is to show us joel so that's you can see why the, I can see the issue there. Yeah, would be yeah, mad yeah about absolutely. That. The like, woman only we ex- only exist to, to show to you. show the man, yeah. right? But there's a 
really yeah. <laughs> yeah there's a really strangely beautiful thing that this movie does with that which is why i re- kind of i kind of want to refute the idea that she is a manic pixie dream girl or a foil let's just foil. call her a foil because yeah, that's what i think she does have agency she ends up with agency at the end of this movie but also in losing her he in trying to save his last few memories of her it's her idea which is saying hide me somewhere i'm not supposed to be it's his idea though because she does she's just a memory she's just a memory right. but uh, yeah but she also operates as as maybe independent because it yeah, I, know, I know that's all supposed to be in his head which kind of makes man this is a squirrely topic i know right so okay they've been together for a while uh, some years actually I think it's assumed like a couple, like two to three years. Two to I three think. years yeah. they've been together. So what I like to think is that the parts of her that she has changed by be, her them being in a relationship together are the parts of because he uh, when when Elijah Wood gives her the present that Jim Carrey bought and she goes, this is perfectly to my taste. Like how I've never dated a guy who knew me so, knew me well. so well. Yeah. He knows her so well. He can construct her perfectly? That's what I think. If not construct her perfectly, he has some sort of living essence of her in his head. I can get around that. I can... I can make that work. Right. It's like it's like when you've lived with someone for a long time, like Bird and I have lived together for a decade now and been married for five years. I know how, for the most part, how Bird will react to most things. Mm -hmm. Like, if you give me a scenario, I can tell you kind of how Bird would feel in that or what she might say or whatever. So I have like a working model of Bird that lives in, in me. Yes. So I like this idea that as he's going through these memories of Clementine, at a certain point... God, it's the the progression of the film is so so beautiful because he's in these fights with her, and but he's also he's in this weird like coma state almost where he can hear the outside world as he's reliving memories and he'll interact with the outside world and the people in the memories are at first are like who are you talking to yes like Joel there's no one here what do you say but eventually there's a moment where Clement he's talking talking to Clementine and he's like they're taking me from you they're losing me and. I think the other part of the reason that his construction of her is able to talk to him is because Clementine is so fanciful in Flights of Fancy that if he had just said something crazy in real life, like, you know, the government has put nodes in my brain. She'd probably, what, what, what agency? She'd run with it. Yeah. Yeah. She'd like, where do we have to go? Utah? So it, so it is, it is in keeping of his memory of her that she would interact with this strange scenario so when he's like they're erasing my memories of you because we see them play games where like they smother they kill each other that's right yeah they fake kill each other you know and he like paints her as a so like there's there is that sort of playful there is that yes and let's right let's let's, go with this scenario they have a very they're very imaginative people yes joel in a really introverted way her in a very extroverted way she's willing to run down any road yes so that's so when she when he starts saying like i'm losing you like they're erasing you from my memories and she because she knows what he knows because she's not real right she goes okay and she she's working out she's the the She's the the Catherine wheel or the dynamo that that is throwing off the imaginative ideas that Joel otherwise might not explore because he's so, he's so frozen yeah. in fear or whatever. So she's like, hide me, hide me somewhere I'm not supposed to be. So he th- starts moving into other memories where she doesn't exist. Parts of his life that he didn't share with her while they were together. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like it, part and part of the beauty of that is if he had shared those things, 
then she would be tied to those memories because right. he'd have memories of talking about those those and that'd be a loophole in right right so they'd that would be a tangential connection and they'd mm-hmm. find him more easily ultimately they find him anyway right because they're really good at their jobs right well the we ones who out. aren't fucked up right <laughs> as they're drinking working, rolling rock and fucking smoking stoned. weed um yeah, watching that, I was like, "Look, I'm all, I'm all for weed, but you guys are you doing guys, a medical you, procedure exactly. right now. You, you are, you're creating brain damage. This here. is wildly <laughs> irresponsible." But um, so disappointed in Mark Ruffalo. I, that's what I, what I loved was inexperience. It's, it's almost like grief. Mm-hmm. This movie is almost like watching grief because in losing her, in in. In he he it's like watching a clock run down. He knows that they're gonna run out of time. Yes. So in this weird time that he has left, even though she's not real, in trying to save her, he's rectifying the errors or the the missteps of their relationship. Yeah. He's sharing with her, hide me somewhere they won't look. A deep memory, something that he's buried. Humiliation. Humili- That's yeah, one of my hide favorite. Me in humiliation. Ones. Yes. Hide me in humiliation. Which what a great. Fucking line. Mm-hmm. So they, it's him jerking off to right. like hentai, <laughs> right. like manga hentai. And she's like, "Ooh, what are you looking at?" She's like, "Joel." Joel. And he goes, "I don't like it either." Oh yeah. That's right. <laughs> and then his mom comes in and catches him doing it, and she's like, "Oh wow, <laughs> holy <laughs> shit!" Damn but, it, Joel. But and this is one of the things that I love about Kaufman's script. Script for this, I haven't read the actual script, but I I watched the writing just now. And one of the fucking things that I love about this is he shares that with her and you're like, oh, look, Joel's sharing. And it's it is a funny moment. Yes. It's totally funny where you're watching it and you're like, oh, oh no, this is so embarrassing. <laughs> so you're watching this and you're like, you know, like, oh, he's sharing with her. That's fun. And it doesn't work. They come for her there, too. So he grabs a different memory. Yeah. And Kaufman puts it's such a genius move. You're, you're laughing still from the the jerking off and her vanishing from the bed. We've seen enough things vanish that yep. that doesn't actually bother us that much. We know there's going to be more. We're, we're not like, oh, no, this is it. So we're, our, we're our guard is down. We're, we're because flat, we're, we're standing, laughing. And- we're standing flat footed. And then he shows us young Jim Carrey in a cape, a Superman cape, beating a dead bird in a red wagon with a hammer mm-hmm. as kids stare, watch at it and scream in his face. That's one of the most fucked up things I've... We yep. watched all the I Spit on Your Grave yeah. movies. That was brutal. Just, it was so brutal, Carl. Yep, and he's crying. They, and, yeah, they give him a hammer. There's a, there's a, it's already dead. I was like, oh my God, are they gonna make him kill like a cat or something? But right. there's a dead bird in a wagon. And that's such a... Killing, kill the cat, kill the cat. That's a movie note. Yeah. But a it's bunch already, of... It's a dead bird that's already dead. A bunch of kids yeah. standing around... Telling him to hit like to it's a, it's like that like there's a dead raccoon in the road and all your friends are like poke its poke its eyes out just do it it's that weird fucking like eight year old nine year old mm-hmm. ten year old thing where they're like you're just you're you and your friends just there's like these weird moments I mean Bird and I talk about it all the time where kids are literally psychopaths oh absolutely they don't have all they're those, all like, little Norman Bates is running around man it's insane that rings true to me yeah I think this is something that Kaufman experienced. Cause that it's it's that is a pulled out of life yeah. level of fucked up. It's because if you're just like tell me something weird that kids do, you're like, well they they uh, killed a cat, you know, or like right. oh they they. It's like no one time I was playing superhero, we found a dead bird, we put the bird in a wagon, and all my friends taunted me to smash it with a hammer. It's hor- it's horrible, yeah. but it's one of the most perfect mo- moments that I've seen in in writing. 
It's one. It's dude. It's pulled straight from like the. You know when you're talking to people, and we all we all do this. We all have this thing where it's like we Instagram our own lives in right, real yes. life. So you're talking to your friends. And maybe you're, you know, you've been like, it's late at night and you've been drinking and someone asks like, hey, when you guys were little, did you ever blank? Right. Right. And it's something really fucked up. It's something harrowing and it's something you did. Mm-hmm. And you go, what? No, no. no dude. No, of course that's not. That's what the fuck? Why would you even sit? But you, that's there, dude. Right. Yeah. That's in your, <laughs> you did that. I've had that a couple, I've had a couple moments like that and seeing this on screen, like I've put stuff like that into my writing mm-hmm. where it's like. I have a memory like I've I did this when I was like six or you know like when I was 16 this fucking weird thing it was just yeah. a ri- and it's that it's that darkness that none of us admit to because and rightfully so like and then when you dead, s- when you see it yeah you recognize it immediately and the, I dude it strikes a chord I never mm-hmm. beat any birds with a hammer but, but no but there's there's where does that come from yeah but when you see when you see truth you recognize it yeah and it's it's Man, it's it's amazing, especially especially it's you know what it's it's the writer being vulnerable, Mm -hmm. which is cool because what Joel's doing in order to save Clementine, he has to open up painful memories. All of those things that we never. Yeah. We don't bring ah that never happened to me. That's as soon as you turn 20, almost like repressed memory in a way like unless you're like I knew people like Clement not to that level but people right. like Clementine in college who would just tell you anything like, they just say whoa yeah and you're like you need to I didn't want to know that <laughs> right <laughs> you could you could dial that back a yeah, little scooching over on the bench a little <laughs> right. bit right there like, does come a time in your life where just saying everything that's in your head yeah, is bad to, to yeah, know. Yeah. and I'm I mean maybe listeners will know this about me already but I I have like one of those my filter is barely there it's like Uh, any listeners of the show know that i don't have one (laughs) yeah but even i don't know man holy shit that was i just i also just finished this movie so i'm kind of you're you're reeling from it but um is that the last memory because no there's where no that where he hides her i think they have he hides hides her her in the memory of being a child and um hiding under the table yeah that's that's where the next place that he goes right no he did that before that's the first one i think that's where she finds him initially where and then there's under the table as a the first the first one is humiliation okay because she got that she goes um hide me somewhere i don't belong and it's oh no it's the singing in the it's the the raindrops keep falling on my head or whatever oh okay it's the he he's hiding under the table and there's the rain and yep. it starts raining in the room and then he's under the table and he goes to the kid yeah yeah so that's and then the he's first bathing one. in the bathing in the, in the sink. sink where Jim Car- Jim Carrey's playing as a kid by the way his like kid acting fairly legit pretty good when he's at this freezer and he's like I just but ice cream. I want the he's like ice cream. ice cream. His and arms are like, bang, and it's yeah. Bang, he's got like the bang. he's got the floppy noodle really floppy arm, noodle arm. But I because kids are uh, still trying to figure out how bodies work, <laughs> like like totally graceless. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah like, I'm, like, I, I'm, but, and then he starts pouting. Yep. And I like that uh, grown up Joel interjects into like young Joel's yeah. mind, where he's like, "I just want her to pick me up and hold me." It's kind of crazy how strong the urge is, actually. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. He, yeah. Like, bops back into Joel for a second. Um. Yeah, sorry, I got head. I just, I want to just love on this movie. Nope, I got Let you, me jump baby. Back. So you are notoriously not fond 
of voiceovers. Many of them. I know you like some. I do like but some. But you have come down hard on almost every voiceover this, we've encountered. Okay, what do you so think this, of this voiceover? Okay, you have or have not seen Adaptation? I have not yet seen okay. Adaptation. It's on our... So Charlie uh, Kaufman... It's on our season three. Charlie Kaufman actually writes about um, voiceover and how they are taboo and like... It's a it's a weakness of a writer to to, to use it, mm-hmm. and that is all described in voiceover, in adaptation. In adaptation. <laughs> so he uses it a lot uh-huh. in most of his screenwriting, and is aware that he is using voiceover, and that there is this whole like voiceover is and it's a bad thing to use voiceover. It's sure, perfect. It's one of the screenplay rules. Yeah, screenplay. But it's if it this would be mm-hmm. the master class on how to use voiceover, I feel. My I like the all the content because mm-hmm. honestly the writing in this movie is impeccable. Yeah. The I feel like a, almost without voiceover in this, like we would be completely lost at sea for a lot of it. I like that a lot of the some of it is voiceover and some of it is just but the voiceover, multiple layers of reality. But the voice the voiceover isn't like and then we went to the beach and then we saw a lot of it is stuff like she was nice. Nice is good. She loved me. It's like that kind of I my the first thing that struck me about the voiceover was how Carrie was performing it. Yeah. Which is you uh your biggest complaint uh, we did a league of their own yeah. and there's a voiceover and you was that the one that you hated the voiceover in? I don't think it was Where that you, one. We watched one recently and there's a voiceover in it and you were saying like I just hate his delivery of Oh, no, it was <laughs> No, it was uh, Giovanni Rib- Giovanni Ribisi's voiceover in The Virgin Suicides which sounded like Right. Where he's kind of mumble mouth. Yeah. The my first thought when I heard my first two thoughts in this order were I fucking love this voiceover and my second one was Carl's going to fucking hate this voiceover <laughs> because Jim Carrey's delivery He's doing the is the whispery sort of I don't know. It's don't the know. Low Lowest, yep. flattest. It's went to the beach today. Beaches are blah blah blah. Yeah. My my, but my favorite line. I, I the moment I knew I loved what was happening was when he goes, "Sand is overrated. It's just tiny little rocks." That is yeah. a, that's puck that's fucking perfect. Yes. that's a perfect line. Yeah. And my no. So here's what I think He's about saying things that are interesting or poetic or or in it's like internal monologue. The things that we think in our head that. Well, voiceover that describes action is weak and cheap. Yes. Voiceover that explains things that might be confusing is also weak and cheap. One of the things that I love about this voiceover is this voiceover gives us unrelated information that is Jim Carrey's thoughts. Yes. That have nothing to do yes. except for the sand when he's playing with the sand. Like it doesn't the 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 voiceover is not pushing the plot it's not trying to spoon feed us things that we should know it, it just it does connect us closer to joel yeah it just all it does is it fleshes out the character yes honestly i would like to part of me would be curious to like have joel find her diary and read it because mm-hmm. i don't think i could honestly it's not it's not kate winslet's fault it really isn't but i don't think i could stand her reading her own diary no probably not because it, it would just be like and anyways and it's it would be like we manic yeah i want <laughs> I want Joel to read her, her thoughts diary. because, see, oh my God, filtering all of her energy through his initial like utter lethargy would be fascinating. Mm-hmm. What, so you need a man to make her. I know. I thought about yeah. that as I was yeah. saying it, but but yeah, honestly, in it this, is dangerous territory though. But that would be an interesting in this case read on that. In this case, I would want it because her. Because I, because I don't honestly here in the in this movie because we're talking about Eternal Sunshine and the Spotless Mind. If she was reading it, I don't think I'd believe it. 
it would feel like artifice. It would feel like stream of consciousness. Because that is her, because she is very spontaneous and... Because she's flat a lot of the time. Uh, Okay. I I do think the Clementine character, like I said, this movie has got flaws. And I think the Clementine character is incredibly shallow until Mm -hmm. about the last 15 minutes. The real Clementine or, or memory Clementine? I, I like most of the memory Clementine stuff. Because well, by note about her, she's so much nicer to him than actual Clementine. Yeah. She's, she's much more... She's dialed back. She's dialed back where like OG Clementine is 11 or 12 all the time, like the Joker. Or, right. But memory Clementine is like a seven. So is his idea of their relationship yes, what he's trying to that's save what because their actual relationship is completely Yes, and that's what I think that was trying to say earlier but wasn't expressing it that, well is like the idea of their relationship in his mind is that Clementine. That's why I like the end of this movie. Where they meet again and they, Be, uh, they when they're hearing each other's when, shit-talking uh, yeah, tapes. And how, more, less the shit-talking tapes and more how they interact with each other once they re-meet because... At the beginning of the movie, I have no base. I have no baseline for either character. Yeah, we're at zero. So Absolutely. when I see Clementine for the first time and she's like pouring it on, I'm just like, wow. okay. Yeah. Be- and also because it's it's not 2004, it's 2019, and I've seen enough movies that have the flat cardboard cutout manic pixie dream girl slash foil character. Right. I'm like, oh fuck, because I, I came into this wanting to like this movie, and for the first. 15 20 minutes Unsure. I, I, yeah. yeah I was really like please don't be shit yeah but I don't like the early Clementine character because there there's no sounding of the depths it's all like this surface chatter yeah and it I was really worried we would stay there and she would just go down as another and there what's crazy too is like they're actually in reset mode when they in meet, that moment, yeah, 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 yeah. They're this is their all, second. They're meet. like recooking. Like it's their first meet cute that we see is their second, second meet cute. Yeah, because when he, oh my god, there's a fucking amazing moment when the movie first screws with your head when he goes. I remember the day I met her. It was at Montauk, and it's no, yeah, but it's at that party. That's and he's, right. And there's a party, and you're like, wait, you didn't meet her at a party. You, you met, met her, her on a train, right? Or like you guys, uh, you guys initially met on a. They, they meet walking on the beach and then they talk to each other on the train. I'm like, I saw how you met her and this right. is not this it. This isn't it. So then I'm like, wait, what is happening? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's the first moment where the movie, like, you're you're riding on the tracks and the movie, like, hip checks you off the tracks and you're like, <laughs> wait, what? What? We were walking along fine here. What These are you woods are so dick? dark and obscure. <laughs> <Right. laughs> you're like, where am I? <laughs> What's funny is, like, because I've seen this movie so many times, I forgot what my initial, those initial moments of of what the fuck is going on weren't there for me this right. going because I I know the like how it's laid out yeah 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 god I kind of wish I remember what that was because that would be jarring it was You're so like, weird wait what a lot of That's parts of this how- well and um, I went for another example of this is when we first meet Elijah Wood it's amazing mm-hmm. J- uh, Jim Carrey sitting in his car He's just met, as far as he knows, he's just met Clementine, and they've spent a night together. It's amazing. She's really impulsive. She's making him feel alive. She's, she's going to get her toothbrush she's from her apartment. She's doing all that pixie-ish yeah. stuff we like, yeah, <laughs> you know, right. making yeah, him, drawing exactly. him out of his shell. Exactly. And she's like, I'm going to get my toothbrush. And he's just sitting there all happy and exhausted because he's been up all night. And he's just, it, it's that weird moment because we haven't had any weird stuff happen yet. Nope. So he's sitting there, and Elijah Wood knocks on his window, and he rolls it down. He's like, hey, what's up? And he goes, can I help you? And he's like, No. no. Uh, Weird Yeah nope I'm good What are you doing here Uh, 
wait, mom, friend. Ah. Is there any, can I do something yeah. for you? And he's like, I don't understand what you're asking. And Elijah Wood just walks away. I wrote down, I love his introduction. I think that's great dialogue. And I wrote that having no, no clue idea what, what was, was going, going on. on. Yeah. But that... That was the first I know this movie has a, has a reputation as being like really surreal. So that was the first moment where I'm like that's Ooh. a little odd. Yeah. But I loved it. It's and oh my god, it's it's so good. And then we cut it's from that to moment. Jim Carrey bawling his eyes out in his car. It's oh my god. And you're like where are we? What in the fuck has happened? Like we go from that it's incredible. right to that and it's that's so when we get our title incredible. card. Like there yeah, is Yeah, that's the title sequence is Jim yeah. Carrey driving in the rain sobbing in the car. And it's like 14 minutes into the flick too, which you're is deep. Yeah, you've deep already been already. I I'd forgotten that we didn't have opening credits. Yeah, no, we start with so much movie rolls before they do yeah. it. And that's part of what Oh my god, the credit even both credit sequences are weird. The in the end credits, they write justify all the credits Everything. like there's gonna be something on the left and you keep waiting for footage to come up and it never does so you're like all you've done is shift my perspective and now i'm captivated by credits yep exactly it was so it's so amazing this movie is i'm sorry this is disjointed listener it really is well it's sort of in keeping with the film too because much like yeah. movies like inception or memento or eternal sunshine of the spotless yeah. mind they take you on a on a journey where all the pieces, like the puzzle was put together and then the director kind of th- like chucked them on the floor and rearranged them. It, it's, it's like the picture is the same, but it's all out of order. And yeah, and it like memento. Uh, if you buy the, I think it's the blue, the early DVDs and the blue ray. You can this. make it go in order. Yeah. Yeah. The movie sucks. It's really boring and stupid. It's so boring when you just play it straight through. <laughs> like, I mean, like, look. It's like a basic, okay, kind of like, yeah. oh, murder all, mystery. All the acting is still good. Like, yeah. the, the stuff you remember as being good is still, is still good. Remember Sammy Jenkins is still there? But it's way less interesting when you watch it sequentially. Yes. Because, like, A to B to C, and you're like, yeah, 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 mm-hmm. I've seen this before. Right. But when you watch the movie the way it was originally conceived, which is in reverse order with no explanation to help you along... I mean, it, it is kind of a gimmick, but but it works so well. It does. I love Memento, and man. But movies like that and Eternal Sunshine, Jim, Ca- they oh sorry, they're hard. I'm just saying they're hard to talk about in a linear fashion. Like, yeah, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm now trying to stick to my notes because part of me was just like, and then this part was good, and then this part was good, and then this, but okay. So Jim gushing Carrey, is okay. Jim Carrey we've crying had, in the car. We've, we've earned okay. Just real quick, we've earned some gushing because last month was fucking hard, man. Yeah. Yeah, I mean we can we can I feel like we can gush a little bit because it was hard. Wow. I still feel a little bit like worked over. We, yeah. <laughs> by we haven't had Coppola. we haven't had a movie. Well, uh, we Virgin Suicides. Was, I think we was came praised, together on. But yeah, yeah, yeah. man, yeah, there's been a lot of been a lot of hate in the room episodes yeah. for a while. <laughs> not hate, but you know what I'm saying. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just um, not not enthusiasm. Right. Opposite of enthusiasm. <laughs> right. Jim Carrey at the opening of this movie. Like some of well, those episodes must have sounded like his monologue. Seriously, I mean, and then they, Marie Antoinette was this is a movie. It's just little rocks, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> just little rocks. So he went him crying in the car, and I was only thinking about this because of one of our categories for the, the our little Oscar mm-hmm. show or whatever. I'm sure that's copyrighted, and we're gonna get sued for saying that. It's his, an award, the Measuring Flicks Award Annual Award Show. I, his hand tremor did something. His hand shakes, and then he puts it on the wheel. And when his hand was shaking, I was like, that handshaking's too big. Right. I didn't like it. 
then he grabs the wheel and it keeps shaking and i was like that's Ooh, great that's, it. that's amazing <laughs> i'm like cut that first hand shaking and just, just give me that the on hand the on the wheel dude because it's like it's that back and forth yep the, quiver oh it's my beautiful God. Oh my god, it's yeah, this, so beautiful. This is a little Yeah, the big hand shaking in the air. I was like, come on, Jim Carrey, you're better than that. And then he grabs the wheel and I'm like, see? See? That's what you do. There you go. His when he first wakes up at the opening of the film, his the way that his eyes track, like, uh, I'm awake. And then he starts noticing a couple things. It's we talk about eye acting all the yep. time. Superb. Superb. So good. And he, but the first thing he he, he uh, focuses on is like the weird it's a weird thing. Like when you first wake up, it's like the corner of the window. And the pull string for the blinds, I think, is, is like, ah, uh, yeah, morning. Where He's am like, I? Bling. Well, and yeah. we, uh, and he seemed really groggy and fucked up. And I'm like, what's this about? And then we get that line later where he's like, oh, it's no more brain damage than a heavy night of drinking. Yep. And then, I mean, the movie jumps all over sequentially, but they do the procedure in his house. And when he wakes up, he looks hungover. And I'm like, so many little performance beats don't make sense until, until way later you know in the movie. What's and happening? Yes, that's what. And then once you hit the note that explains it, you remember it, and you're like, Jesus! And it's like the most satisfying eureka sort of it's, moment. This movie's so well put together, and all the actors are doing such great work. One of my favorite little subtle things in this movie that, um, you know, I think would be easy to miss is Kirsten Dunst has a thing. For Dr. Bilbo. Yeah. (laughs) So what the hell is his name? Howard. So Kirsten Dunst has a thing for Howard. Yes. She acts. Subtle. Yeah. She Well, and she acts on it then. Yes. And then she kisses him. I'm just going to gloss it for now. Because it's it's one of those beautiful little Kaufman knows what the fuck he's doing. She kisses him. The wife finds out and reveals that they had an affair previously. And he she elected to have her memory of the affair erased. But and it also shows something really interesting about this process, which is you can't perfectly scrub someone's memory of something. Mm-mm. That and you have to deal with the rest of the world still remembers. So Howard is the guy who who uh, like pushed this this uh, this tech. He pioneered this technique. He runs this clinic. The mm-hmm. work he does is so beautiful. Mark Ruffalo works for him and does this. He he's one of the technicians. Once he's once Howard is erased from her life. That's why she dates Ruffalo. Yeah. Because Ruffalo is a surrogate for what who she really wants. Which is him. And she, the people, that's the thing. You can't erase. People, they find each other again. Yeah. Like she finds him again. Yeah. She finds the Dr. Wilkinson. Yeah. Do- Dr. Howard. Yeah, Dr. Howard. As. Yeah. As. It's too powerful of, of a thing to. Wilkins. Wilkins. As. I keep saying Wilkins. This. Oh my god. Okay, there's some bullshit review on the cover, by the way, of the from the Rolling Stone where it says like oh. a smart and superbly sexy comedy. And I'm like, that is the opposite of what I mean, this movie's smart. Yeah. But that is such a throwaway review. Yes. Like that guy did not watch this movie. No. He's like, oh, she's hot. It's so superbly sexy. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? This is one of the most depressing love stories I've ever seen. It's so sad. Everyone's broken. And even the, the even our conclusion, like there's a there's a quiet beauty to this. But this yes. is not how to lose a guy in ten days. No, it is not. It's this not is like a they, masterpiece. It's dude. not the perfect kiss at the end. No, fuck no. This is 
uh, that that review when I read that rev- I'd watched the You're movie like, and I, Fuck you, I was Rolling putting the Stone. DVD away and I'm like someone should fire that guy <laughs> <laughs> watch the goddamn movie but and he works for Rolling Stone and that's the review one of the things that I like is because we've all got that you know that cynical thing where it's like well if we hadn't met it's also kind of weirdly hopeful where it's like yes. if we hadn't met under these you know it was chance we it was a chance meeting but I think you probably would have met or or if you'd met like under different circumstances would you still would you be still, in love yeah and that's one of my favorite things about this which is like they wipe kirsten dunst's memory and she still is attracted to dr howard because she's still her and the things that attract you to another person are always going to be those same those things. are yours yeah. yeah and how far are you willing to erase yourself to to live a more pain-free existence I don't, there's but a I think lot she of, discovers that it's more painful well because of what we get in the end where she gives she mails everyone their shit talking fucks tapes. it all up yeah and i'm i'm I torn so on, i'm torn on that ending too it's like one she doesn't have the right to because these are people that made that choice right to erase another person from their memory so it's it's not up to her to make that choice for other people i but at the yeah. same time. Oh, can we talk about her real quick? I Who? fucking loved her in this. Kirsten Dunst? Yeah. Me too. Me fucking too. loved her in this. Do you want to talk about the the best stoned acting I've ever seen? That's her. Her well, and Mark Ruffalo. Perfect. Her and Mark Ruffalo yes. are per- pitch perfect. Oh, I need to change my I do nominations, too. Yeah. I think. Because, dude, and maybe we nominate him as a pair. Because, dude, we, them, them together is, they're fucking flawless. Yep. We got to do, we got to do something. I'm fucking. We, well, even when they're partying, when the, th- when the thing is kind of running on autopilot yeah. and they're like, he's dancing in his underwear. It's bad dancing, it's too. bad dance. Oh, my God. It's, my, my favorite is when Mark Ruffalo's like, you got to mellow out. You're freaking me out. She's like, you got to, you got to. And she's kind of <laughs> right. laughing. She's, she's like, you got to call gotta Howard. Go. You got to call Howard. I'm so stoned. And yeah, he's, she's like, oh my God, he's like, no, I got this. Even when he's on this. the way, he's like two minutes from arriving and they're trying to clean up real clean fast. Up. And when he finally shows up mm-hmm. and she's trying to, her face is so that perfect. That I'm holding my shit together yeah, and I'm having like, an I'm actual. I'm here to try and watch how people, my, not really my co, my colleagues yes. are working because I admire the work that the my colleagues like did. she's doing such a good job but she's not doing such a good job Dude, of covering I've, how oh I've my definitely God. had moments where like i'm sitting on the couch and bird will and ask your me brain a question is churning yeah, she's like, like do you want to make popcorn and i'll be like i think that and you're like sentence come on put yep. up get him get the words what's, get him. what's funny is because that brain talk is happening with all the, clarity and yeah. like you're you're in totally your head, there yeah. you know what you want to say but, but there's by no... the time it gets to the front brain it's all <sighs> like foggy <laughs> my favorite moment is mark ruffalo standing by the phone he gets up and walks over to the phone he's like no i got this we're no it's all right i'm gonna i'm gonna call howard <laughs> yeah and he picks it up but just he's and it's they they have the there's a there's a certain like inflection or or cadence that your voice takes on or a lot of people when you're so right, yeah. that your voice takes on where like my speech patterns right now would get quieter and they'd kind of just get a a bit more staccato and no, Carl, Carl, dude, make- mellow out. You're freaking me out. <laughs> yes. You're freaking. All right, I'm going to call Howard. <laughs> Just <laughs> yeah. like the way that is, he flips it. It's so spot on, dude. <laughs> But it's just oh. like I, I don't know, man. It's like we, I, we talk so much garbage about her on Sofia Coppola. We month. did. She's really good in this. She's fucking amazing. She's, you can't ah, 
You can't take it away from her. Nope. You can't. Or like we. That was the big problem. Is we're like we hit virgin suicides and we're like shit. Uh, shit. She's so really good. good. <laughs> exactly. God damn it. We gotta watch our shit talking. But I don't take because that was the feeling at the time. Right. And we're allowed. No to... actor's great in everything. No, that I is love absolutely Kate Winslet. true. I don't think she's that good in the first half of this movie. Once I would we, agree. Once we get. Once once I have um, Joel's memory of her and ha- seeing how he sees her, yes. once we get back to real Clementine at the end, even though her performance is, I would say, the same, it's still big, it makes more sense. Yes, it, pu- it pulls it together. It works, yeah, yeah. W- once I well, have... Well, you dropped in the deep end of the pool with her personality at right. the beginning of this movie, and you're like, holy shit. Once I have Joel's take on her... She, uh, her, she seems real to me. Yeah. Now, when I first meet her, I'm, and also part of that is the 2019 bias of once you sure. recognize the manic pixie dream girl, you criticize it because it's bad writing and it's, it's misogynistic. Right. But once I have, once, oh my god, it's that beautiful thing which is like, I, honestly, like you, you know Bird, you've known Bird yes. for like a year and a half a now. Years now yeah. yeah, Danielle went to school with her. Yep. But you don't see the same Bird that I see. Nope, I sure right? don't. Right? How, yeah. So seeing and the, like what we do in this movie is we live in Joel's head for like an hour. And as then they, you start to see that version. You see how he sees Clementine. So even when you see the which fights, isn't a false version. No, it's 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 yeah, because reality is totally subjective. Yep. Re, things are real to people. You know, uh, we we talked. I can't remember which episode it was, but we did the 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 reality tunnel theory where everyone lives in a different reality essentially and that is his clementine one of my favorite things about this movie is when they fight and he when she comes she crashed his car drunk which is a shit thing to do it's happened to me before and then when he (laughs) no significant other crashed a car crashed in my car yeah and not realizing it until the next day trying to drive to base i have like you fucked my car up. i have a family member who rolled several vehicles while intoxicated and you're like you got to knock that off. Yeah. <laughs> but no, but like his reaction to it is interesting because it's, you know, I may have like crashed your car. Right. And he's like, uh, when, but he, and he's sitting there and he's like, it's pathetic. It's fucking pathetic. You're fucking pathetic. Oh, do you, you know, do you, you, you might have killed someone. Huh, maybe you did kill someone. Should, I, should we turn on the news? You know, there's a, th- even though it's his memory and he's reliving it, there's something really subtle about Jim Carrey's performance there where you realize that he as he's saying these things he's real he's ashamed of them there's this cool thing when they fight where Jim Carrey because it's not we're not watching their fight we're watching Jim Carrey's memory of their fight yes and Jim Carrey is aware in a lot of the scenes that these are memories so one of my favorite things is when they fight you can see this ex- this this kind of like exhaustion in his performance where he's like he's been through this fight once before and now they're fighting and he's like he's like this if this why did this have to happen you know he's recognizing the little things that he said that pissed, that her, pissed off. her off they weren't necessary for the they're not saying those things isn't helping the situation at all you're right. not if you're pissed at somebody you you say shit and not to let her off the hook at all because she's a psycho, she's a a psycho right but but he's realizing those moments. Of, well, that wasn't necessarily a thing. I because sh- we all do that. Yeah. Ah, shit. I shouldn't have said that. This I, movie I should is. Have. There was a different way I could have gone about that. Maybe save the situation, even though she did get drunk and fuck up his car. Yeah. I I don't. When I say okay, this movie is 
the maybe the most romantic no that's not true this movie is in the top five most romantic movies i've ever seen and by that i don't mean i don't mean um like high drama romance not like i don't mean i don't mean romance the the like not the flowery fucking yeah i don't mean swelling cellos and right. then kiss yeah, yeah. as the flower petals fall that's not what i mean by romantic i mean romantic by as in you are a romantic as in you find beauty in everything yeah I know I know a lot of people like that who like when I first met Burge used to take pictures of like rusted chains and yeah. like fish hooks and dead fish and shit because something about it grabbed her and that mm-hmm. was beautiful. So that's there's what I a mean romance by this. there. Yeah, there's like the one of the most romantic. God, I'm jumping all over, but no, fuck I, it. Okay, this, this. let's jump to the end. When they're in that house, the lake house, the lake house where that she breaks into. Yeah. And she's she's like, let me slip upstairs and you know, slip into something a little more Ruthy or whatever that woman's name was. And he leaves, and she he's like, I'm gonna leave, and she goes, so go. And he's and he goes and he goes and then I left. I wish I'd stayed. You know, and then he but he's having that moment. He goes and he's walking in the water that's flooding through the house. So many set pieces in this are just amazing, insane. But How they even constructed s- some He's of this. walking through the water and he goes I wish I'd done a lot of things It's By the way I th- I'm, I haven't done it But I'm pretty sure that you can trace the steps Of the five stages of grief throughout this movie Oh absolutely Because the end is all acceptance mm-hmm. And that's why oh my god the end of this movie just tears I texted you I was like if this movie oh, ends yeah, sad I'm gonna up. lose my fucking yeah. mind <laughs> Because you come to such a pa- place of peace Because he yes. comes to a place of peace With the fact that he has lost her He He's it's literally he's grieving losing Clementine. It's like she's dead. Yes. There's a oh my god. So there's this beautiful mo- moment where he goes um he's like I should have, you know, sh- uh, I should have stayed. I I wish I'd I wish I'd stayed. I wish I'd done a lot of things and she goes, "Why don't you stay? Why don't you stay this time?" And he's like, "I can't. I walked away." I That's walked the away. Memory. That's how she it goes, happened. Well, yeah. let's just you know, say goodbye then. And he comes back over and says goodbye. And she whispers, "Meet me in Montauk." And that's how and they that's meet how the they next meet day. But there's a moment. There's a that moment there where he's recognizing that no one he he recognizes that he's made a lot of mistakes. She's made a lot of mistakes. They both made a lot of mistakes. And he's lived through their fights. He's seen the pain, he's seen the dysfunction. And yet what we're left with at the end is even if it was going to fall to shit and fall to pieces, he doesn't want to lose it. His memories of His it. His memories of it. Mm-hmm. Like no there are painful memories but no memories are bad memories that's that's kind of what i took away from the end of this there's a moment right before it that i kind of want to um kind of want to hit as well where he they finally get to the memory of when he meets her and they're at the party and he's sitting there eating his food and she you know she's she comes oh, she over sits next and she's like can i borrow a piece of your chicken and she steals she his grabs chicken it. And, goes, <laughs> and he I says so, it yeah and you just took it you know, without waiting for me to respond, like we yeah. were already lovers, so intimate. And you realize, like, these are the things, the the fact that he couldn't, he was so paralyzed and couldn't make the first move. She made the moves and that helped him move. That helped him yeah. do stuff. And there's this great exchange between the two of them. She's eating chicken. They're looking out at the water and she goes, this is it, Joel. I'm going to be gone soon. And he goes, I know. And she goes, so what do we do? And they've been running. They've been hiding. And right now, Jim Carrey just kind of looks out at the water and he has this perfect smile. And he goes, enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I cried like a fucking oh, baby. God damn it. That- but it's, 
that's it, dude. It's when like, when she the the because there there are there are like tears moments in this film for me. Mm-hmm. When she sits ne- when she's sitting next to him on those on those steps, and she says to him, "This is it, Joel." Mm. That's when I'm just like, that's when I lose it in done. this movie. I'm done. This is it. This is the last. Because it's the memory. It's the good memory of her. It's them meeting. And then she is, that person is saying at the very beginning of their relationship, this is it. There's a. And it's so fucking like. Ah. There's a, there's a, there's a. And then they enjoy it. Okay. When we did Sofia Coppola month, there was a lot of uh, critics who were saying like the subtle beauty, the subtle poetry, the subtle mm-hmm. romanticism of blah. This movie is both overtly and subtly poetic because it tells you these broad, beautiful things. Yes, it does. I mean, where we start, but it also tells you these really subtle, tangential things, these side things, these things about that are these universal things about ourselves. Those little details. There's this great the the in a way, this movie is kind of memento ish in which memento ish. (laughs) I said memento. They start. His his the first memory to go is the last time he saw her. We start at the end and they go back to the beginning. So it's this kind of interesting arc where you see this relationship in shambles, and then it gets better. And then it gets better, <laughs> right. and so the relationship is being constructed, is being built up. You know, we start with this like junkyard, and oh yeah, all the, it's the dumpster fire at the end of the relationship. And as we go as we go forward through the movie, the pieces of trash leap up to build this shining pinnacle, this beautiful relationship. And while that is being built up, the, the rest know, and, is going and, away. Yeah, we're looking up toward this the, the spire. That, while the, the nothing it, is creeping up from, behind, from the yeah. bottom. It's beautiful. The, the movie builds the relationship as it erases the relationship. So fucking brilliant. When you finally see the whole picture, there's nothing on the canvas. It's absolutely gorgeous. I have a funny side note about the lake house at the end. Yeah. So I, this is just a fun thing. So yes, the lake house in this movie, I have a recurring dream that I've had for like 15 years. And a lot of it takes place in a lake house. And it's a very specific lake house, how it's set up and everything else. And the, the, the particular, some things happen and change inside this lake house. Okay. And in rewatching this, I realized that that's the lake house. From your recurring dream? From my recurring dream. Somehow, because this is my favorite movie, like 15 years, I watched the fucking shit out of this, this movie. movie. That lake house, to the detail, got lodged in my subconscious, down to the candles, down to the the framework around the windows to the steps out front, everything. And it freaked fucking like, <laughs> I can du- see yeah, your hair standing shit. up on your arms. But like, as soon as they got into that lake house, I was like, duh, this is my, this is the lake house. Like I, it was, I knew it. Like I knew my, I like, I know my house growing up. Mm. Like I know what everything looks like, what it smells like. How fucking weird is that? Like that piece of this movie lodged itself into my subconscious so firmly that whenever I have that recurring dream, it's that fucking lake house. Like that's there's that it's that's it. I was like, it was so fucking surreal and weird seeing it. I was like, <laughs> seeing your dreams on screen. I'm like, stop it movie. This is weird. <laughs> this is weird. But it, it happened naturally because you know it's not like I saw this dream house and then watched the movie. I'm like, Oh, 
huh. No, I watched the movie. That got lodged in my brain somewhere. My brain uses that as a set piece for this recurring dream. (laughs) Right. But it was really fucking weird. (laughs) To see it on screen. I was like, huh, huh. (laughs) I actually yelled at Daniel. Danielle, Danielle, this is my dream. It's my dream house. This is my dream house. She's like, what are you talking about? And I told her, she's like, you need to to say that on the podcast because that's really weird. They're like, all right, I will. And I'm still, it's making... The, the hair on my arms are standing up so much it hurts right now. It's painful. Your hair is trying to leave your it's body. It's like trying to, <laughs> Crawl trying to escape and, like, <laughs> and seed the world with my terrified hair. Terrified hair. <laughs> Jesus, dude. Ah, that hurts. Which is fun because that's kind of in a weird way a dream of his as well. Yeah. Carl. What? No, I was just saying Carl. Carl. I was, was going we were going to let it hang there as like oh <laughs> me just ominously saying your name and the listener left to wonder. Um, I want to, okay, I promise we'll go back. But I, given that we just talked about these two beautiful moments where they've come to accept, where, I'm sorry, not they, it's just Jim Carrey. Right. Where Jim Carrey has lost Clementine, mourned her, grieved her, laid her to rest, and then wakes up with no memory of her, except this little seed Yep, meet me, meet me in Montauk. Montauk. Which that journal entry makes so much more sense when he's like, I took the train to Montauk today. It, yep. It's very out of character for me. And, and it's February. Why, no one goes to why Montauk Why would you go to Montauk February. in February? And so did she. Yeah. Which is interesting. Which almost leads me... That's That almost lends a touch of the supernatural to this movie. Because, because she why, didn't have the... Maybe she did. Maybe her memory, Jim Carrey, was... Because you don't... We don't. We, we don't, don't get see, to see that erasure. There very much could have been the flip side of that, right? Clementine's gym. You could literally have it be. You know, we cut to Clementine upstairs looking yeah. for clothes, and then you left. Why? You know, and yeah. then we hear him calling from downstairs or whatever. Like mm-hmm. maybe this. That's why I say romantic. Yeah. These are. This is literally like it, this. You know what this movie's like? It's like a smarter, better written, less hokey version of Across the Universe. Where it's like love will find love a will way, find a way. That kind it's of thing. It's like spooky action at a distance. Yeah. Oh my God. It's only lovers left alive yep. as well. That's and that's one of the things I like about this. It's so. It's 2019, dude. It's so easy to be super cynical. Jaded nowadays. as fuck. Super jaded. Yeah, man. But like movies like this, like Only Lovers Left Alive, even like movies like Across the Universe, they they give you, it's like that some of that glow back, some of that yes. hope back. All right, I got to get through the end and then I'll dive do it, do back it, it. because this is how we're doing this episode. Um, <laughs> when Kirsten Dunst finds out, there's a in in line with the so what do we do? Just, just enjoy it. Um, and the I'd wish I'd done a lot of things and me, you know, like there's these Kaufman starts hitting you with these beautiful lines. Uh, a lot of the lines are about acceptance. Yes. For like honestly, let's enjoy it. Carrie has stopped. Jim Carrey has stopped fighting because he knows he's like, I can't control everything. I'm going to lose Clementine. I'm going to lose this memory. So I'm going to enjoy it while I have it. And the moment when they finally say goodbye, you know, he's like when she goes, he goes, why did you leave? And she goes, was it something I said? And he goes, yeah. And she goes, what was it? And he goes, you said so go with such disdain. And she goes, oh, I'm sorry. And he goes, it's OK. <sighs> It's beautiful. Yeah. It's a beautiful moment. (laughs) 
And then, so we get a moment like that with Kirsten Dunst, where Kaufman is telling us something about the importance of our memories, where she's she's found out that she's had her mind erased and she doesn't remember her affair with Howard, and she's packed up all her stuff and she's leaving the the office. And Mark Ruffalo comes over and she goes, did you ever suspect? Yeah. And he's like, just oh, like once I saw you and Howard talking. Talking outside your car. And I thought maybe, you know, but uh, it was the only time. And she goes, how'd I look? Because she doesn't remember. And he pauses and there's, Mark Ruffalo is a really good actor. Mm-hmm. Really good. He doesn't always end up in, in, in the best, best thing. stuff, yeah. but he's really He's good. one of my favorites. Yeah. He, yeah. He's very talented. And I, I wish that I he does he's done a lot of awesome stuff but yeah. i just see him pop up and shit and i'm like why did you say yes to this but there's he, money man he pauses there for a second she, you know she's how did i look and he goes happy, happy. yeah Fuck. happy with a secret and you're like Fuck. yeah <laughs> and kaufman's not even done breaking your heart no he's not not even close to it man. oh my god so kirsten dunst we're at the end of the movie sends out all the tapes and they're so Joel and Clementine have remet. They've re-sparked. Yes. And they're in the car. And she's, they've they've done the whole. They went back to the frozen lake. Yeah. Again, like they hit key moments, or was they, it? Wait a minute. No, I'm not the. Her and Elijah would go there. That's, That's right. The creepiest That's subplot creepiest ever. Shit. But we'll hit yeah. that in a second. But they they meet at Montauk on the beach. Yep. They don't talk to each other. They go to the the same train station. Yep. They're going to the same place. And that's they meet on the train, and then what, I can't remember. There's something else. Like they meet on the train and talk on the train. Well, he goes home, then calls her, calls and she's her. like, "I'm glad." And then they re- they get together again. Right, and that's when they go to the frozen lake. Yep. Which is a moment that they shared before. Before. Yes. Which? Oh my God! Wait, they go. Wait. Is, yeah. Is no, right? Yeah. Do they go to the frozen? Yeah, they he do. Calls they her, go again. What took you so long? They go to the frozen lake. Oh, and they stayed out all night, and that's and when he drives her home. Okay. Yeah. So that is a moment. From their own past that they went and re- relived. Mm-hmm. Oh, fuck. It's so beautiful. Yeah. It's so beautiful, dude. But then she gets in the car and she has her file and her tape. She's like, what is this? She's reading the letter and she's like, you've had your memory of Joel blah, blah, blah. She's erased. Like, what is this? Is this some sort he's of like, are you joke? messing with me? She goes, no. And she pops the tape in and it's her talking shit about Joel. Yep, I can't he, stand the way he's so he'll he's so sit boring there and, and boring. He's like a whipped puppy, and she he pulls the car over and kicks her he's out. Like, what the fuck is this? Get out of my car! This isn't funny. What are you doing to me? Now, this is what I love about the end of this movie. Is we because they're okay. They're right back in the shit. Here's them bickering. Here's them fighting. Here's and they know that they've been bickering and fighting. And you're like, oh, well, this relationship is doomed. Fuck, sad ending. I'm gonna go take a bunch of pills. Right? Yeah. No shit. <laughs> but like. She gets home and she's crying and she's wandering around the house and she's crying. And then rather than not go find him, she, she goes, goes and looks him, him up. She finds him, comes upstairs. He's sitting on the floor listening to her tape. And even knowing that they were together and they were so unhappy that they erased their memories of each other. He stands up and he's like, hey, I can I get you a drink? And then on the he's like, let me turn this tape off. And she goes, no, it's no, only look, fair. Yep. And the beautiful double motivation of one, it's, it's, I, you had to listen to mine, but also I want to know what you think of me. Right. But there's this really amazing thing that is happening while they're listening to the shit talking tapes where it's like, I never thought, I would never think that about you. Like there's the blue hair one is amazing. Yeah. And he's like, and the hair thing, it's like, it's just a cheap, shallow, blah. And he goes, like, I, really I actually like, really, I really like, like your it. hair. Yeah. I love that. 
Because it's him saying the shit and him saying the shit. Him like, refuting the, the shit, refuting that, he's the shit that he said. Yeah. It's Im- because the note that I have about that is is how how much garbage that we create in our own minds about another person. Right. Whether through some like we assume things or we overthink things and we create this. You love her blue hair, but you're creating all this garbage. We're like fuck her blue hair. It's fucking stupid. When you're like, no, actually, I really like your. I think blue about hair. this from time to time. Because I okay, I do a lot of stuff that drives bird bananas, right? But then there are occasional moments where rather than reacting with annoyance, which honestly, rightfully so, because they're right. annoying things that I do. <laughs> right. But rather than react with annoyance, bird will just kind of like, you know, tussle my hair or like smile at me and be like, oh, you drive me crazy. Mm-hmm. You're so crazy. And I, what I was wondering watching this movie is how many of the things that we think irritate us about someone else would okay this is this is kind of a sad thing to think but like not to no god not to curse you at all but like tomorrow mm-hmm. if and i could flip it and say like you know to, here if if tomorrow if danielle got hit by a bus or whatever mm-hmm. how many because this is what i was thinking about like bird right how many of the things that you think irritate you would be things that you would miss all of them right or they would be so trivial, like it's like uh, the little, sh- yeah. like the little shit, the little oddities and mm-hmm. quirks or whatever that uh, sometimes that's driving. what makes up the person. Yeah, a person is a. a well, there's a stupid line in another movie which is like, "We like someone for their virtues, but we love them for their flaws," right. which is a dumb yeah. line, but utterly true. You yeah, know, I would miss that all all of it. Perfect people would be boring. Perfect people. There wouldn't would be anything suck. to miss. Part of yeah, part of yeah, exactly. What are you gonna miss then? So <laughs> that's one of the things I love about because Jim Carrey even has a line where she's like, "Sorry, you know," when, it, when she steals. I think it's when she steals his chicken. She's like, "I'm sorry, you know me. I'm impulsive." Yeah, and he goes, "Don't apologize. It's one of the things I love about you." No, it's when they're sitting in the in the forest. Yes, yes. they're in the forest, and he's waking himself up, which is. Fucking, fucking crazy yeah but when they're she's sitting on the thing and she's like i'm sorry i'm impulsive and he goes sorry right, i love that about you even though two memories ago we heard him say, say how like how much he hates, hates how impulsive she is and you're like oh yeah remember remember when you we bring a lot of shit to we things. do we really really do um but okay so we get the t- we he pours her the last little bit of whiskey because because Kirsten does and Mark Ruffalo drank his whole drink fifth. all of it. <laughs> I thought oh, I thought I had more whiskey than that. Yeah, you did. Johnny Black. <laughs> they drink a whole <laughs> bottle. I'm like, Jesus. At least it's not Johnny Red. Oh, it is wait Johnny a Red. Wait a minute. A night of hard drinking. I was wondering, did they do that intentionally to Probably. have a to have a way to explain why he feels you fucked gotta up drink the next his morning. booze? So he, he's like, man, dump. I must have drunk my. You're not gonna dump it down the drain. That's a waste of Johnny Red. Johnny Black. It was a Johnny Black. Yeah, Johnny Red. You can pour right down the drain. You right down the drain, unless <laughs> I got super sick on Johnny. Unless Red. you have peanut butter and crackers, and then it's fine. What? Is that a thing? Johnny Walker this is Red from with... Lethal Weapon Two. Oh my God! Right. I'm sorry. I was like, "What are you talking?" And you have to drink it out of a plastic, a plastic cup. Plastic cup. Yeah. But no. Okay. So basically, she's sitting there, and he, Joel gives her. Gives Clementine that glass of whiskey and they're listening to him shit talker on the tape yeah. as he's desperately trying to be like, I don't, I would never think that. He's like, I'd never think that about you, you know. Um, I love your hair. I love your hair. Yeah. And then she's like, I can't do this. And she storms out. Yeah. And Joel, 
we see her. So Joel walked out in his memories, and the last the last memory, which is his first memory of her, is he walks out of the house and they say goodbye. She walks out of the house and Joel chases her and he goes, "Wait!" And she's like, "What do you want me to do?" And he's like, "Look, I don't. I God, it's so beautiful." (laughs) He's like, "I don't know. I don't know. Just wait a little while." And then they stand there, and he comes over and he's like. He's like she she starts explaining why the relationship won't work in her manic constantly talking way which is similar to how I talk <laughs> just incessantly. So she's like you it know, works really well for a for a show that's based on people talking in, incessantly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it works really, really well for that. Silence yeah. power hour. But like she she's going through it and you know, oh my god and you'll just get sick of me in my my thing. what actually sends her out of the room is when he's like she the only reason she she fucks she others. fucks people to yeah. make them like her and she goes I would I never, never do that, do that. He goes, I would never think that you would do that it doesn't seem like something you do but but that but thought is that's, there that's, it's that's, hanging yeah, it's there in the air. Yep. and she's like you know you'll get you'll get pissed off and you'll be you'll get infuriated with how this and and I'll get bored and feel trapped because that's what happens with me because she's heard her tape she knows what happens she goes I'll get bored and feel trapped and that's what happens with me and he goes okay okay can we please do that then <laughs> that's just him leaning against the wall and saying okay i have a note um perfect it's a perfect moment mm-hmm. it's a perfect piece of writing it's perfectly acted and shot. It's a perfect moment in cinema, and it's exactly the ending that you that I wanted. Exactly for, what we need. Yeah, because it's, it's not overly romantic. It's incredible. There's flaw in it. Like they're they might be fucked, but that's okay. It's acceptance because it's people are fucked up. Yeah, that, like, well, one it's of the, not I think what, what I ultimately like, took away from the movie is both of them struggling desperately to control the relationship is yes. what destroyed the relationship. And when she's like. We are in for some shit. It's going to get so bad. We're going to just, we're probably going to go down in flames. And in that moment, Jim Carrey's like, well, that's a ways off right now. Okay. Yeah. You know, like if that's where we're going to go again, that's where we're going to go again. All I know is I cannot let you walk out, walk out of this hallway. And that is fucking beautiful. It's so beautiful, dude. The end of this movie is so (laughs) beautiful. Ah, but these two are fucked though. (laughs) I mean, honestly, but... It doesn't but matter. that doesn't matter. No. It doesn't matter. If it's gonna blow up, it's gonna blow up. But you swing again, man. You got to, man. If it's that, if that person is that I love important, this movie, if that person is that important, is important enough to you that you will try again, yeah, and try again. I mean, there might be a little bit of insanity there because the definition of which is trying the same thing, expecting different results, but. Right. But it's not this. That's the beauty of humanity is you could not. not, You can't possibly replicate it. That's exactly what Elijah Wood does. He tries to replicate the moments that were precious, but because it's not the right person, it doesn't work. He replicates. He 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 uses because uh, when they erase your memory, you have to get all of your personal effects that share memory with. Right. So they took all of his journal entries, which, by the way, a sheet's missing. I don't remember tearing that out. At because the beginning of the movie, out, yeah. apparently I haven't written a journal entry since blank. It's like three years ago because they tore out all the journal entries that he'd written in that time. Jesus and Christ. he's like, that's weird. You know, I, I write in this all the time. <laughs> Why would How I? How did I not write in this for two years? But it doesn't really strike him because he's kind of He's kind of fucked up. Yeah. But that the, the Elijah Wood thing is one of the creepiest. It's one of the, the creepiest things I've ever seen. Thing. Oh, my. It's so have you seen disgusting. Maniac? Yeah. He's long, perfect in Maniac. Yeah. 
And he's perfect in, in Sin City as the uh, oh, as the cannibal. Ooh, he's so creepy. Elijah Wood, Elijah is, Wood is a creepy dude. Like he's got he's in got real life weird... he's super nice. But no, no, no. I mean, yeah, like yeah, he, yeah. He he plays creepy so well. So and considering the fact that he was he was North in like he Elijah Wood when he was a kid played all these like adorable kid characters, and now he still sort of has that youthful face. Face. It's but he. Which lends itself perfectly to these really fucking creepy characters. I like characters. seeing him fight yeah. against type. I'm like, ooh, because it makes it so much more creepy. Yeah, if you have someone who looks creepy playing creepy, it's just creepy. You have someone who looks innocent and baby face playing creepy, you are like, that's a whole other level of, ah, uh, uh, this is like, yeah, this, I love it. One of, here, I just had, this just popped into my head, because I was, I was wondering, I'm like, is this the best... Is this movie the best writing that we've seen this year? And I'm thinking, I'm, I'd have to see the list. Right. But I'm like, the, the writing in this is almost flawless. Pretty and I'm like, damn close. But you know but who have... else? A Scanner Darkly really blew me away with the writing as yep. well. And then I, but I thought about it and I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Lacuna Inc., the sending out the cards like, note, Clementine has had her memory of Joel completely erased. Please never mention them again. This reads like a Philip K. Dick story. I'm currently reading uh, Minority <laughs> Report and other short stories by Philip K. Dick. Like a, and yeah, it is. This is very it's, much. Do you have my copy or is it yours? It's mine. Okay, it's yeah, mine. yeah. Because yeah. I have that. I just recently read that as well. I'm like, it's, did I give the girl? It? Nope. But yeah, there's there's a lot of that sort of like uh, we'll remember it for your ho- for you wholesale yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, this is, this is so maybe I just like Philip K. Dick style stuff, dude. It's, I love Philip so K. Dick I. style stuff. So the. Uh, Oh my god, wait, hold on. We covered that already. Um there's a oh my god, when he first goes to Lacuna to to mm-hmm. talk to them about what happened with Clementine, there's this or no, it's when he brings his bags in to have the procedure or to the, have the mapping with the, done. Their cat toys or their dog toys. Dog toys that's, that's the right. woman who's trying to forget Buster, but it's, it's again so subtle. It it could have been so what are you here for? My dog. My dog. Guy. Exactly. But the woman sitting next to him has a box full of dog toys, uh, a little tube thing that says yep. Buster on it. And but the, that's it. The, that's the all worst we get. one is the guy to his right. Do you see the guy to his right? No. The guy to his right is standing, sitting there with a box and he's just looking like off at the floor. And there's, you can't see everything. There's only one thing that you can see out of the box because they're low angle and it's a baseball trophy. Or oh, like some shit. kind of like his kid, some kind of like high school achievement sports trophy Are standing you out of there. Gonna forget your own child because did they fuck. die? And he, I okay, this is this is me bringing it to the movie, but I had just read Blue is the Warmest Color. Oh wow! So my first thought was like he's disappointed in his child and wants to wipe that memory, which is darker than it, it's as super. It's, as dark, it's, that's darker though. I'd say it's darker than the my child, child died is still or alive. Whatever. Yeah, because yeah. then you're trying to that's you trying to deal with grief. But and reason aside, can you fucking imagine? Just just imagine for one second. I don't want to remember my child. For any reason. For any reason, no. They okay, they died of cancer and it was a two month long slow slide into death. You're gonna wipe out all, all memory of, of the child that you had? That is this movie is obscenely dark. Yes. A lot of the time. Huge chunks but of this the, movie are on dark. On the edges a lot of it where you're This is heavy. This yeah. is not a raucous sexy no, comedy man. like there it's totally not that are, that, that are so fucking heavy and i, I love think, it i mean this came out at a time where jim carrey hadn't really done anything serious yet he was coming off of like 
when nature calls and he maybe had done man in the moon already or but he was just this was him like i don't know his timeline um i remember when the because i when i was a kid i mean you see the mask you see ace ventura Mm -hmm. you see the grinch and I had never seen him do anything serious. And then the number 23 came out and I was like, whoa, Jim Carrey doing serious stuff. And it had been marketed as Jim Carrey's like return to serious acting. And right. I was like, does he do that? Yeah, he does. Fucking no kidding. <laughs> He's got the Jesus Christ. Does he have? Well, the, the thing, the, the thing about Jim Carrey and his performance is I think that he is just such a, a unique person and individual, but he has, he has like this earnestness about him. Mm. And everything, even in Ace Ventura, when he's playing over the top, there's something very likable about Jim Carrey. There's Mm -hmm. something very, it's just that, it's just very, something very likable about Jim Carrey. And when he's playing something that is not Ace Ventura, he brings, he still brings that Jim Carrey-ness to that role. And you really enjoy that. I put Jim Carrey in the same, at at the same elevated pillar or whatever you know you want to call it i put him with robin williams mm-hmm. he is yeah. very robin williams he he can cut clown. from the same cloth for, for sure, sure. They, they, they are both clowns yes this, this beautiful perfect make you laugh dude jim carrey's physical comedy is is on par with like keaton and chapel oh yeah he's a perfect physical <laughs> comedian but at the same time jim carrey has this this dark rich vein running through much like robin williams yeah and when they and watching him tap it is like watching robin williams's heartbreak in good morning vietnam dude it's this movie you watch it and you're just like jim you you think to yourself like uh, in part in part this movie tells us that human beings are unknowable you can never know anyone really truly truly do we ever really know ourselves (laughs) no no you do your best but it's just not possible there's too much there's things you never know you never reveal um, and even stuff that you yourself won't examine in yourself. And right. w- this movie, watching Jim Carrey's performance, you just realize like you, and especially cause he's a celebrity. So you think you've seen him your whole life. You've grown up with him. You think, you know, him. Yeah, and then funny? you watch this and you're like, Jim Carrey is utterly unknowable. Yeah. God damn. Um, little reveals like, uh, j- jump back into my notes. Yeah, yeah. Um, little reveals like the dent. When he think at the first, oh the he thinks, car, he thinks like, the car, the fuck hit my he's car. like, God damn it! When did this happen? And then we find out that it was the last time he saw Clementine because Clementine crashed his car into a fire hydrant. That's right, she wrecked his car. So that's where the dent comes from. Like so much, of, <laughs> so much of my notes are just like, oh, that's what. Oh, that's what. Well, there's so much, so much detail. Even like, um, the scene where the, um. It's one of the memory wipes. So he's the the memory of Clementine. They are running through a library, and then they're sitting and they're talking to each other. And slowly the the bookstore, the bookstore yeah. slowly all of the the uh, covers disappear. And it's so subtle at first, you where, where oh, you also, it's like, wait a second, is that is that a blank book? And then you see a couple more. This and a couple more. This ties perfectly into my next note, which is this is a surrealist editing masterclass. Trick cuts, jump cuts, hidden cuts, and then and most of it's in camera. Subtle, like, di- tons of this is in camera, and at, like when they go to the the hospital, uh, and he's having a memory, he, he's having the memory of the doctor talking to him, and the doctor is talking to, to him, him, remembering yes. the memory. That you, the camera, there's no cuts. So what it is, and the, it's the same outfit too. What it is is when they cut to the doctor, Jim Carrey throws a hat on and sits Thank down. You. Yep, and then they only light from the like chin up 
And then when he stands back up, he takes the hat off and pulls his sweater open, and they and cut back to They're him. being lit by what, like a flashlight, essentially. It's fucking insane. It's probably an on-camera mic or an on-camera on spotlight. Light, yeah. It looks literally like the like the news camera where they shine. Yep, the, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, dude. And again, horror movie level shit. There's one of my favorite moments is when Mark Ruffalo goes, "Huh? He's hiding in a memory we already erased." And you're like, what? what the fuck? And all their faces are fucked up. Every and- every time someone's face was missing, I got the chills. Yep. One of the sp- dude when he's trying to turn him around to see when his he's spinning face. Elijah Wood around and it's only the back of his head. There is no face. He spins him around and it's the back of his head again. Yes. And you're like, oh, what the fuck? I'm gonna throw up. <laughs> yeah. Dude, even yeah. creepier is when he turns to open the door and Elijah Wood's there, but his eyes are on upside down. Fucked his up. face is normal, but his, his eyes, eyes are, are on upside down. The brows are under his eyes, and you're like, "What the f- <laughs> fuck even is that?" Oh, Whoa. you almost hear Elijah Wood be like, "I am not a monster, yeah. you know? like, dude." It's no, haunting though. And then Jim Carrey uh, turns back to the doctor, and he's like, "Who is that?" And he goes, "It's Patrick," because he'd, he'd only heard, heard the, name the name once through the fog. That's right. He'd only heard Patrick talked about in the fog of his coma. So that name, the fuck, dude, that, it's such a great performance beat where uh, Tom Wilkins, god damn, says the name the way that he heard it, which is like Patrick. Because but all the rest of his speech is normal. He goes, oh, that's Patrick. He works for us. And you're like, Whoa! It, it, so much of this movie is like watching a f- nightmare. It is, <laughs> and that's most it's of so Kaufman's. Work. Oh my! You have not seen adaptation. I haven't seen adaptation yet, but we will definitely oh watch it. Oh my god! You want to um, talk about God really, mind fuckery? Really cool. Oh, we just talked about the only the back of his head. Um, little moments like when they're in the bookstore and they're having a dramatic scene. And what happens first is some of the books just disappear. Yes. And it's not the ones we can see. They're like in the Way foreground before, on yeah. the shelves and it's like, boop, boop, and they just vanish. And you kind of catch it, but kind of don't like, like you, you're like, did I wait, see did what I, I see thought? Something? I, there's a moment when they're walking through, it's the open air market and Jim Carrey whole grab, he leans on a street sign and grabs the sign, like the pole. And then he's like, ah, and the pole vanishes from his hand, but it's right on the edge of the frame. So if you're not, if you're you not almost, there, yeah, you ha- you there's so it. many parts of this movie where you rewind and you're like, did that just vanish out of yes, his hand? It did. A street sign pole that you can barely see just goes and it's gone. And the background's going. Yeah, oh shit's, shit's getting all jacked up. So, Oh, God, it's so amazing. Visually um, stunning. The set work, especially the, the set, set work, because you have like the library that goes into the apartment of his yeah. of the David Cross character. He walks out of a memory. Out, out of a memory into a new one. By the way, that's real life. Yeah, I know. That's a set connected to a set. What the fuck? And all those lights are not, turning it's a memory off. That is right. It's a memory, but it's going. Doo, doo, doo. All the lights are turning off, and then he's suddenly in David Cross's house. Yeah. So they had to construct that bookstore. I keep saying a library. They keep, it's a lo- yeah, it's a bookstore. Yeah. They, keep, they constructed the, the set bookstore of the bookstore where Clementine works up against the door of the house. David Cross's house. House set. House set. This is all soundstage. That, that's connected to. Fucking hell, dude! It's amazing. There's a lot of moments like that actually, where he'll be he'll be like walking in a uh, or he'll be he'll be in a bedroom. We'll cut. We'll not even cut. We'll be in a bedroom and we'll like pan over, and 
a lot of this is cool trick editing where he'll be laying in bed and we'll pan over and then he's standing in the kitchen. Yes. But it's a pan. So, so yeah, there's a hidden cut, cut in there. Yeah, you cut on motion where you just you move the camera and then you move the camera and then you hide the cut in there, but it's seamless. It's so seamless. There, the moment when she walks out of the house after the drunk driving incident, mm. she like turns a he walks down she walks down a hall we cut we uh, we don't cut i keep saying that we pan over to him follow him and where we think she went is the kitchen but he walks down the hall and ends up in the bathroom and you're like wait the bathroom's there where'd she go he turns around and then we pan and we see her there's another hallway that we didn't see god the, damn it. the layout of the house is absurd it's wrong yes. and where they're walking i don't know how they do it but like these actors it's it's I must be editing but they cover so much ground so fast you're like wait she was just now she's at the door he's at the he slams the door but now he's in a hallway and the hallway's lit weird and the lights are going out it's the fuckery that fucks with me the most is when he is outside on the street with the car that is he's he's trying to get down a block but he keeps coming across his car yeah and then he goes the other way and his car is there and he goes the other way and his, and his car, car is, is there. there. It's it's like he's caught in this fucking loop. But the way that it's shot, my brain is like, I can't, I can't, I can't. It's the stairs. It's those that staircase yeah. that never ends. Yeah, exactly. It's literally. Oh, <laughs> but seeing it, you know what's happening. Mm-hmm. You're. Your brain is like, okay, this is not a possible. But like that starts to shut down at some point. Like I can't. Uh, yeah, like he, you start yeah. going a little crazy. You go, you you end up in his shoes for sure. Yeah. Where you're just like, this is too much for too me much to watch. Overload, I can't overload, even see this. Yeah. Um, let me jump to. Can we jump to a really uh, a yeah. small human moment amongst all the madness? Yes. The fucking madness. Um, it's the memory of dinner at Kang's. Oh, the dining dead. The oh my god. Yeah. Okay, I'm sure that hits you and I harder than almost anyone else. Sure. Because of the food service thing. But we see it all the time. Constantly, and it's a. It, this is voiceover. This is one of his journal entries. He goes, "Dinner at Kang's again. Have we become that couple that we feel sorry for? Are we the dining dead?" Mm-hmm. And I'm as I'm watching it, he's sitting there, and neither of them are talking to each other nope. at all. And then Mindlessly she goes, "Mindlessly picking at their food." And then she goes. Can you pick the fucking hairs the or pick the goddamn hairs off the soap when you're done using it? And he's like, yeah, it's absolutely because that's revolt. And she's revolting. It's gross. It's gross. It's sick. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. And then they go back to eating silently. Mm-hmm. Like, so I, I've worked, you've worked in restaurants a lot. Oh, I've yeah. worked in restaurants. I've only worked in restaurants for like 10 years or more. And man, you do. You really do see people. See you see people sit down. You and see whole families. That's more now in 2019. The thing because of the whole the thing you see more. Yeah, thing. yeah, the thing you see. I pointed it out to someone the other day. I was like, I hit one of my coworkers. I'm like, fucking look, 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 look. And we looked at the, the in the dining room, and there's like four tables in a row, no one talking, everyone on their phones, everyone. Like it was like 12 people. That's fucking creepy. Gro- to all me. groups of two, too, which was awful because it. When you see four people doing it, you're just like, fuck you. When right. you see two people doing it, that's sad. Yes. That's really sad. What's even more sad, though, is this. And you still, even today in 2019, you still see this. People come out to eat, especially like older, not old people. Old people tend to talk, but like older couples, like mm-hmm. 50s, early 60s. 
occasionally you hit one they'll sit they'll be sitting at the table you even see it like next time you go out to eat listener oh i look around oh yeah listeners because i'm like i watch all the fucking time yeah but when you go out to eat like you know look around i mean enjoy your conversation you're having with your dining partner make it make it make it something you do with your dining partner yeah make it a depressing game yeah it'll be fun (laughs) but it's better than not doing anything it's true dude (laughs) and if you look around you'd be stunned how many people are doing nothing not talking it's all automatic it's just the worst is when they're waiting for their food like you i mean obviously when i'm when i'm at work i'm working but when you're out dining you're waiting for your food and you're looking around and you're seeing like couples waiting for food but they're not talking to each other and you're like how can you literally just be sitting at a table in silence with nothing to do one of you must have something to say right say anything Say get the hair off the goddamn yeah, sofa, right. like talk. But that's what they're, yeah, it's that's insane. what they're doing. Uh, it's it really hit me. That one really hit me, like right in the old heart box. And there's a difference between, like, when you're comfortable around someone, and there's that comfortable silence where you can the sit for friction silence. Yeah, where you can sit for ten minutes and just be happy in each other's company. Yeah, that is a different thing than just like sitting there with nothing. Like the, there's no. I've had the, I mean, I'm sh- okay. Mea culpa. I've definitely done this. You've done this too. Oh, yeah. Positive. Oh, we yeah. all do at some point. It doesn't make it less sad. No, of course you know, not. But like, you're you're right when there, and it's awful to be in your own head at that moment where you're sitting there because it's the, the longer, worst place to be. The longer you don't say something, the worse it the gets. The worse it gets because you're like, now if I say something, it'll, it's gonna feel it's gonna like be, I'm trying to break the silence and it's gonna feel disingenuous. So you don't. But then you're ten minutes in and you're like. If I say something now, it'll just be the and, fakest. And how are you going to start the sentence? So, well, what do you do? It's you hell. It's hell. It's such fucking hell, miserable. Dude. It's the like, worst ever. And then the you know like you gotta charge that hill, uh, man. You know, what, and you know what? Usually, where it usually ends up, you just eat the dinner, and like there'll be maybe like a how how's the steak? Is it good? Is it good? What did you get? Yeah, oh, you good. got the pasta. Great. Yeah, you were here. I ordered the pasta. Oh, okay, that's yeah. Right, yeah. And then the uh, best. Susie's getting married. The fucking best one. Yeah. No, you know, I, no, I, you don't even ever make it to that. No, you know, you, you just go back to eating. And then the best is, the waiter comes over and they're like, "Hey guys, can I get any anything else I can get for you?" And you're sitting there just in like stewing, and you're no, like, "No, we're fine." Or one of yeah, this is the worst of though. The worst is when one of you's like, "No, I'm getting." The other one says, "Do you have dessert?" And you're and like, you're "Fuck, like, we were almost out of this. <laughs> we were there." <laughs> and then you have to do this stupid bullshit thing where you're like. And then they go, well, no, that's fine. Do you want dessert? Do you want dessert? No, no, no. It's okay. I, well, I, I could go to. for dessert. What, what do you have? And then he goes to get a menu and you just sit there. Sit there awkwardly again, twitching. <laughs> you piss your pants. You know, it's, it's just like, awful. Or just shit by yourself. <laughs> At least now we have something to talk about. Uh, yeah. That's that's another one of those um, dead bird in the in the, the wagon moments. Yeah, absolutely. Where you're like, he, Kaufman has noted He's gone out to eat. That's the beautiful thing about really great writers, especially screenwriters. Capturing those moments. Because they look, they see, and they report back. Yeah, absolutely. This movie shows us so many uncomfortable things about ourselves. <laughs> I, I want to go out to eat just so I can incessantly Dude, talk. I, I, I people, I've always been a people watcher, and it's the, it's, it is a fun game with your significant other if you uh, are, are lacking conversation moments, Yeah, if you're stuck in that movie. Be like, hey. Hey, let's, let's look at all the other people who aren't talking. But, but, but then you have something to talk about. In common, yeah. What's great is like Monty Python taps into this in the meaning of life where they go to a, oh my God, a the couple goes to this. a restaurant and, <laughs> and the maitre d' is offering them conversations, conversation cards. <laughs> conversation cards. <laughs> it's 
totally a thing, man. Uh, these aren't very good. Um, uh, can we turn these back in? Oh, dude. Um, <laughs> let's let's rip through some stuff. Uh, the first time we find out that Elijah Wood is seducing Clementine using Joel's Joel's their, memories, using their relationship yeah. is when he goes. He's on the he's on the phone in the real world, and Joel hears him through his coma thing. And he's so Elijah Woods on the phone. He's like, "What's wrong, Tangerine?" And Joel like uh, stops and he goes, "How did he know to call you Tangerine?" Right. And he starts putting it together, and he's he's like, "Oh, you fucking kidding me?" Yeah. No shit. Honestly, um, dude, that's one of the darkest stole, things I've ever seen. One stole her underwear while they were wiping her brain. Mm-hmm. Tucked a panty away. Yep. And that fuck. The thing is, fuck him. <laughs> fuck Elijah. The thing is, precisely. Oh my oh god, dude. Oh my god. Um, Just disgusting. But the best line, one of the best lines in this movie, is said twice. When Joel says it, dude, it's I like anyone who's ever been happy knows the feeling, which is when they're laying on the ice and they're looking up, and Joel says, "I could die right now. I'm just." Happy mm-hmm. that's it dude And he goes I've never felt like this before And that's so We've all been we've like Any any time you've ever fallen In love like in those First even the first year Yeah because love is definitely Something that grows and changes. it matures absolutely yeah. Like but My god to like to, the, to fall In love or to fall in love again Or to rediscover that that Pinnacle of love there's a reason That Poets have written about love for thousands of years because when you're deep in it, man, like there can be moments where you're I have a distinct memory. It's the first time I actually kissed Bird, like the first time we legit kissed. We had been uh, we when we met, we were dating other people and then we broke up with those people and got together and we were we didn't kiss for like I think it was like a week of being together just because everything was new and weird and we were just like okay I don't want to don't want to rush anything but right. we, were, we were walking down the hill at college and on our way to go get some food at you know the cat tracks or wherever and it started raining and we got to the bottom of the hill and so we get to the bottom of the hill and it's raining and it starts to rain a little harder what are you looking at no I thought I heard <laughs> yeah. a weird noise I did too but I don't know what it was oh, maybe your phone um some yeah, so I'm walking. We get to the bottom of the hill. It's raining, and I stopped. And Bird was like, "What? What's up?" Or no, Bird stopped me, and I was like, "What? What's up?" And she's like, "I think this is the moment." And I was like, "What?" And she's like, "You and me alone in the rain." Oh no! And then we kissed, and I was like, "Fuck!" But I literally had that moment where, dude, like honestly, <laughs> thinking back on it, you're like, right now. I don't think I could be happier. So if I if I'm gonna go, this would be a good one. This would be a good moment to go out on. Yeah. You know, we don't. I mean, there's so many there's so many little moments like that through a lifetime where, especially now. And I know, dude. I know I keep hitting 2019, but like where everyone's we so are anxious. A, and this so, is a, such a different time. Yeah, like the world has seems said, really has heavy. Said everyone in every decade. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, for sure. But like, and part, maybe part of it's getting older. But like, the, it feels like a very anxious time. It feels like a very, okay, sometimes hopeless time. But there are always these little moments where, uh, of even in the bubble of like, oh no, what's going to happen tomorrow? Or like, we don't have enough money. Or my, am I going to get cancer? Whatever. Right. There's always these little moments where of perfect 
happiness and just god damn i believe jim carrey when he says it too it's such a great delivery and what's fantastic is when elijah wood tries to make that happen by recreating it it doesn't work because guess what he is not that person and also i love that i i think that him word for word hitting those memories is like shaking shaking whatever little bit is left because she there's so many moments when they're in the car and she's driving and she's crying and he goes you're, but I, I love you. You're so happy and cool and creative. And then he goes, and nice. And she freaks, she freaks out. She turns and she's like, why is, why you say that? And it's because that's me- what Jim Carrey. Yeah. Yeah. We, we haven't talked about that. He, he keeps saying that she's nice. I like you. That, why is it? Stop calling me fucking nice. Yeah. That nice. So that triggers that. Right. Because that's not so much a memory as it is. Some memories live here in your brain mm-hmm. and some memories live like other places right i mean scientifically speaking no but yeah i get what i know exactly i know that but they they they, they, it's like an emotional response rather than a um like an actual physical memory it's more of a why am i suddenly angry Mm. why am i suddenly sad something else is happening there um one of my favorites (laughs) scientifically uh you're like you're like you have memories in your heart (laughs) in your in your toes and i'm like what are you you feeling all right carl you look a little phlegmatic (laughs) it's all right (laughs) do you know that you have taste buds in your butthole (laughs) is that true is that true carl do you have taste buds in your butthole look it up do you have ghosts in your butt that's that's how you know when a fart is gonna be poop or not i I don't you're, like your. I don't like this. I don't like what you're saying right now. This is really upsetting me. I feel like I just walked back into Eternal Sunshine. You kind of did. You mine. backdoored it a little and bit. I'm just like. <laughs> I'm just like the walls. Just, <laughs> what's going on? Um, bird picked the perfect time. Yeah, to walk she walked in. into the door. It wasn't weird at all before this. No, we've been doing fine. He just knew you were coming in and was like, "What's the worst thing I could say <laughs> to ruin Bird's day?" <laughs> Um, okay, two more. <laughs> I just hit two more little details in my notes that I really like, and those are my last two notes. But um, perfect. Okay, the the bit where he's sitting, it's it's in his memory when he's sitting there with the chicken, and she's like, "My name's Clementine," and he goes, "Oh my darling, I loved my Huckleberry Hound doll when we first met him." He has no fucking idea who Huckleberry Hound is. That's right. She she has to sing it to him because he's got. He's like, I don't remember Huck, what Huckleberry Hound. What he doesn't know the song, and then you realize that there are going to be some casualties of war when you're erasing these memories mm-hmm. like he loved his huckleberry hound doll when he was a child that childhood memory had to be erased in order because to there was a her. connection so he lost not only her but he's what other parts of himself because you make those connections right exactly yes. oh my god like i would if i had my memory erased i love charlie parker charlie parker would vanish gone. because charlie parker is called bird do you know how much music would be erased from my fucking all, all of, of my it. music would be gone. gone. I would not like Most music movies, anymore. Books, ha- more than half of my books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like how much of your s- and that's again that's kind of the beauty of Kaufman's script, which w- script where he points out how much of yourself do you lose to erase someone else. Yeah. Most of you. He really shows us how how tangled up we get. You know, like a, what a relationship is. A relationship is two people growing together how many of your friends such a wonderful thing it gets painful when things don't go right or you lose a person and painful's not bad because it's all growth yeah um and then the other detail that i my last little 
tiny detail that I like, and so much of what makes this script cool is how what a what a complete picture Charlie Kaufman has of this story and this world and these people. He really knows everybody mm-hmm. intimately. Kirsten Dunst does that uh, that quotation thing where she quotes Nietzsche, um, and she's she says the quote, you know, like how how blessed to be the forgetful and even their blah blah blah, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I think that's the exact quote. And Mar- the blah blah blah. blah, blah. Yeah. We're not, we're not Nietzsche, sitting on Kirsten Dunst in this case. Nietzsche. She's doing so good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Nietzsche kill himself uh, blah, halfway blah, blah, through blah, the quote. Blah 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 blah. <laughs> blah sad stuff. People suck and everyone's doomed. <laughs> right. But like he she quotes it to Mark Ruffalo and Mark Ruffalo doesn't give a shit. He doesn't care. And then Howard's sitting there and she says the quote to him and he goes, Oh, that's Nietzsche, right? And she goes, Yeah. Well, I have one from Pope Alexander, and he goes, Alexander Pope, and she goes, ah. yeah, and they have a little stoned thing. moment yeah. <laughs> where she's like, I was reminding myself not to say Pope, Pope Alexander, Alexander, but then when you're high, you're like, Okay, don't, don't say it. Don't don't say that you have a stupid face. Okay, say mm. that you're pretty. You have mm, a stupid, stupid face. Ah, uh, shit. <laughs> Fuck. No, that was the one did not, not say. say. Let me do it again. <laughs> you have a stupid... Fuck. <laughs> it's such an awesome right. moment. But but um, there's a tag on it. When, when she says that to him and we realize he's like, I've never heard that one, but it's quite beautiful. And then she kisses him, blah, blah, blah. When she listens to her tape... She's talking to him, telling him about their relationship, and she goes, I, um, fuck, where is it? I just lost it. Uh, I just wanted, nope, totally lost it, completely gone. Oh, nope, nope, nope. You had it. Um, oh, here it is. Thank God. I wanted you to think I was smart. That's a holdover from before. From before. She's in the same behavior pattern. She's dating Mark Ruffalo because he's a tech and he's a surrogate for him. But then when he's back in the room, the first thing she does is get all tongue-tied, like she says in the tape. She's like, I was so tongue-tied around you. And she fucks up the Pope Alexander thing. Mm-hmm. And she, when he first walks in the room, part of it's that she's stoned, but part of it's also that she gets that tongue-tied she gets around, tongue-tied around, around so she's she like, I'm him. here to, because my co- colleagues liked the, I like the work that my colleagues, she's, she's doing. She's getting tongue-tied. Her response to him, even without the memory of him, is the same. Same. Oh my God. They meet again. Even though they've been working together, like they have their meet again, just like Joel and Clementine have their meet again, and that is brilliant writing. Yes, it's brilliant writing. We don't have a best writer category because no. we can't. This would definitely be. Well, we already have twenty-one categories. I think 20. twenty-two. Is it? Tw- <laughs> oh, yeah, it is twenty-two. Because we added the, the other one. Jeez. Um. So yeah, we'll give him the unofficial award for yeah. best best writing. Or it's best just incredible. Writing. It's amazing. This movie is absolutely phenomenal. That's all I have for notes. Um, God damn, dude. I loved this movie. I, I, and I kind of loved it because it wasn't perfect. Yep. It's definitely flawed, but I think that's to its credit. I agree. If it had been... Okay, Straw Dogs. Straw Dogs is probably a perfect film. I might... I don't want to watch it again, though. Nope. There's something about... Um, uh, we have we have a, as a joke we have two categories we have best flick which is our favorite movie of the year and then we have best motion picture right which we made solely so we could uh, w- could acknowledge that some of these movies are objectively incredible like films. The Searchers versus Caged Heat. I'll like, probably watch Hunger two more times in my life. Yeah, but Hunger is it? That's like Academy Award blah blah masterpiece, blah. Right. Yeah. Like I will watch Schindler's List probably once. I sp- I've, I haven't watched The Godfather since The Godfather or The Godfather Two since I was like fifteen. But I acknowledge those are those are like those those are best motion picture material. Yes. But they're not my favorite. 
there's something about a movie that's too good, too perfect, that kind of creates you some distance. Yes, it does. You know, like mm-hmm. if it's if it's a if it's a master work, you know, like The Godfather Part Two, there's there's a heaviness, there's a there's a, I mean, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah, I do know. What you, you know mean. what I'm saying? I do. Good. It's yeah. If this movie. It's had, like Patton is amazing, but right. I don't want to watch it every year. I think if this movie had been perfect. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have loved it like I did because I yeah there's this weird thing where like we are all flawed humans are flawed Mm -hmm. and I think when it comes to the art and the books and the movies that we truly enjoy are the ones that have chinks in the armor and that are flawed that aren't perfect because it's a truer reflection of who we actually are right does anyone in the world I'm sure there are three I know one person who probably does but you know like how many people in the world Sit down and, you know, how many people in the world read Anna Karenina a couple times a year? I know like one person. I know one guy too who would definitely do that. Who's like, oh, Dostoevsky's my favorite. Or it's the fucking people who are like, oh my God, I've read everything Nietzsche wrote. I finish it. I finished my Nietzsche collection. I go right back to the beginning. I'm like, yeah, your life sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Why would you do that? (laughs) That sounds horrible. Right. Actually, one of my roommates in. um, We're both burning through Stephen King right now. And no one's going to say like Stephen King is one of the, he is one of the best writers of all time, but he's not Dostoevsky and Hemingway. Many problems like I'm I'm into his I'm a, I'm on Salem's lot now just finished Carrie like Carrie's a good book there's problems with it for sure but it's but part of its charm it's part of his charm and it's amazing it's and that's amazing like you don't he writes 1200 pages like it is like 1400 pages <laughs> it could probably be like 600 right <laughs> you know what I mean but it's you it's, love the rough you bits, love the dude. rough bits and I love that you never knows how to end a story. <laughs> This aliens are the devil. Like it's fine. People keep you know? complaining about this. I've never had that issue. With I never Stephen did either. King. I, I always like enjoyed how he it. Ends yeah. stuff. I think he's a good at anyway. It's just, but the point is, it's like those. Yeah, I mean Dostoevsky. Like he's uh, one of the uh, greats. He is one sure, of the I'll greats. Sure, I'll acknowledge that. But and, I'm not gonna. I still haven't made favorite. it through Crime and Punishment. I'll never say it's my favorite. Because it's a slow fucking read. But I love this movie, Carl. Yep, me too. I, I highly I, recommend. I have always. This movie's a strong contender for quarter four. I kid you not. Yep. This is oh, yeah. killer flick. I've got two right okay. now that are battling in my brain for quarter four. Do you have anything but else for... I, I don't. Just Obviously, if you've listened to this episode and haven't seen the movie, you're doing it wrong. But you did like, it totally wrong. But even having listened, go... Go watch it. Watch it what, again. Do what I didn't do in go college. Meet it, go meet it again. Oh, God. Fall in love again. Yeah. Dude, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, 2004. Excellent film. Excellent film. Um, we are a listener-supported podcast. If you like what we do here and you want us to be more cogent in the future, <laughs> then... I like how this episode played out because it's like how the movie plays do, out. Yeah, it is. It's kind of scattershot and yeah. keeps it keeps it remi- guessing. It kind of reminded me of early measuring flicks. You never I, know I where you it. are. This <laughs> You can tell when we've taken a couple of, like, a yeah. two weeks off. yeah. Yeah, and you can also tell when we've watched the movie less than an hour ago. Right. You know, like... Because it's, like, percolating still. I haven't had a chance to sit with it, so I I do apologize. I usually drive today. I was just like, I love it, and it's great. (laughs) Um, But we're a listener-supported podcast, and if you want to support the show, head on over to patreon.com. It's it's still empty. Yeah, the coffee... I'm trying to... Patreon pump. Pimp. Go. Pimp pump. I can make more coffee in between episodes. Um, So... Pimp it. Guys, patreon.com slash quill and film. 
right? Not Quellen Fun Productions? Just Quellen Fun? <laughs> I don't know. I changed the name recently. Uh, Patreon.com slash There will Quill. be a link in the description there of the episode is. you're listening there to right is. to the Patreon page. Patreon.com slash Quill and Film. If you want to drop us a line, measuring flicks podcast at gmail.com. We would like to thank our patrons, John Scheibe, Casey Scheibe. Guys, if you haven't seen this, I'm sure you have. Have a date night. Pop some popcorn. Get a pizza. John, get shitty drunk. Um, crash the car, get home. You guys fight. You never end up actually watching the movie. Casey storms out. John, you're going to chase her into the hall. And then she's going to be like, I hate when you're drunk. And he's going to be like, I hate that I get drunk. And then you're going to solve your relationship problems. (laughs) You're going to go back inside the apartment. You're going to eat the popcorn. The pizza is going to be cold, but you won't matter because you've fallen back in love and cold pizza is better than no pizza. And then you're going to watch Eternal Sunshine and Spotless Mind and realize that Everything's gonna be all right. Yeah, and then even dumpster fires keep homeless warm. <laughs> what the fuck does that even mean, Carl? <laughs> oh, thanks, somebody. Shit, we gotta get out of here. Thanks, someone. If we have three minutes, and then I won't have to edit. Oh. Go. Thank you, Danielle Pelsha. Thank you, Connor Sweeney. Is there anybody else? Bird, thank you. Good night. <laughs> <laughs>